All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? You were saying? Hey, Gilligan, did you eat the skipper? You better pray to the god of skinny punks that this wind doesn't pick up, because I'll come over there and jam an oar up your ass. Eepers, creepers. Those guys keep interrupting us. I'm sorry about that. You were saying about the, uh... Um... Hey, lady, look out! There's a fat whale on your bow! Yeah! Free Willy! <laughs> Listen up, you little spazoids! I know where you live and I've seen where you sleep. I swear to everything holy that your mothers will cry when they see what I've done to you! Alright, DJ Anubis. And DJ Neko. Two and nine ice. That's yeah. not good. Of course it is. Ugh. So... Alright, so, kicking it off with Bismond Don, new stuff for Nam doing a cover of Bewitched from Candlemass. And as I was telling Neko, when they, when we first listened to it, I thought that uh, maybe they either got the guest, the singer from Candlemass to sing the cleans on that, or got someone else. And it turns out that uh, vocalist uh, Charles Elliott for Abysmal Dawn actually did both the rough and clean vocals on that, so that was really cool. Like I, It was almost like flawless. It was very good. You yeah. know, I, I'm a big fan of Abysmal Dawn. She is. She is. This is this is her jam, her kind of band. So. And what's the other band that I, I always get them wrong? Um, what's the other band that I like where they have this? Black, black Crown yeah, issue. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what's that band? The song goes, uh, you were singing it the other day. Well, what we were singing earlier was Because... Yeah. <laughs> I um had to run some errands this morning and I um big news in the Missy world or DJ Neko world, sorry. Um I have been working on perfecting my teeth. I know that sounds silly, but I've always wanted to fix my teeth and I started in July of twenty twenty and today my braces 
came off completely. So I did Invisalign and then I need a little bit of tweaking on my bottoms and I had braces for about two months and they all came off this morning. So I went to the dentist and then they're like, oh, I'll come back at 11 to pick up your retainer. So I went and hung out with my mom. Anyway, I um, pulled into the driveway and I opened the door and I was like, are, are you about ready? Like, cause we live in a three story house. So I'm on the main floor. I screamed down the steps to into the metal tavern, which is where we're sitting now. And I said, hey, are you about ready? And he goes, four? And then, four? 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 So then I'm like, did it it me? And I started singing. Um, oh my God. I have never like, I'm like, how did I know? First of all, how do I know all of these lyrics? They just started coming out of my <laughs> mouth. Now, I am a big corn fan. You know, I guess just being a 90s chick, just... No, they're a good band still today. Like, mm -hmm. still put out good music. I mean, I know most people don't really care for them. That's fine, but you tell me I'm a pussy and you're hotter than me. What with you, boy? Speaking of corn, <laughs> uh, the Requiem is coming out soon, and That's I have exciting. a track off of that record in our rock block. So, be looking for that. Got new oh. stuff from Kralis, Violent Cold. Uh, new stuff from Arch Enemy. We were actually on uh, Samurai Guys. Samurai guy's channel last night the fat samurai guy right and uh he was interviewing the director and a couple of the guys that are involved with the virginia bitches movie that's uh currently being in progress mm -hmm. uh indiegogo right now um to get the project rolling they um they've been doing some filming and stuff um and they're trying to raise more funds for production contracts but cetera, it stars um Obviously, uh, Alyssa White Guez uh, from Arch Animated Singer, as well as uh, Heidi Shepard from The Butcher Baby. So, very cool. A lot of rock and metal involved with uh, this particular project. Metal These guys, and horror. Yep, go together. Uh, got some stuff from Everlasting Spew Records, as well as uh, Against PR, Scarlet Records, Atomic Stuff. Uh, what do we got here? Inverse, Quabar. And Horror Pain from Mike Giuliano. Oh, Mike, I haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, new stuff from Pestilent Rain, Stabbing, uh, what we got, Venom Prism, Prison, I always say Prism, I don't know why. Is it Prism or Prison? It's Prison. <laughs> like, I've created my own prison, should have been dead on a Sunday morning. All right. Okay. New stuff from Voivod and Saxon as well. Topic-wise... We have our action movie tier rankings for the 2000s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Got something to talk about, some swindling that's going on, or has gone on, as well as uh, Whoopi gets herself in some trouble. And oh, of course, shit. That, I, I hate, I hate when I do a topic, like, a week. Last week, I ran across the whoopee topic right after we finished doing the podcast so i'm like we should talk about this next week completely forgot about it <laughs> we're not trying to get political it's just really interesting how well, it's, it's it's a little bit pol political but not that bad really. it, it's just interesting nowadays like you can't number one have an opinion without getting in trouble if it's not like the crunchy granola like whatever the moderate opinion is of the day if and if you say something incorrect 
and you really didn't mean it and it's taken out of context and you're trying to like state your piece or whatever it's just really interesting it doesn't matter who you are and we're seeing this more and more with people who are in the media you get punished for it and sometimes it's you lose your job and it, like what happened with Chad when it was completely taken out of context from a side <laughs> project well we'll be talking about that too a little bit but uh also have my retro DVD movie vault pick uh, which is going to be a great movie. Uh, I don't know if Neko was even paying attention at the time, but we'll see how much she remembers. All right, let me see. Yeah, I remember it. Kicking off our first block is some black metal. Uh, like I said, we got some Violent Cold, Kralis, and here's some brand new stuff from Mystic Circle, The Arrival of Baphomet. The Arrival?
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. You can find a bit of everything on Tinder, but one little swipe can change your life. I only miss you when it rains. When I first talked with Simon, Immediately, we had a bond. He was smart and funny and very impulsive. I shared my whole heart with him. And then he asked me if I wanted to travel with him on a private jet. I was like, shit. He took me to a five-star hotel. He said we had a special connection. It felt like stepping into a movie. And then in the middle of the night, he said there was something he wants to tell me. He has threats against him. He needs to borrow cash. $20,000. His life depended on me. That's when police tell me. The man I love was never real. Everything's a lie. Who is this guy I've been sharing the same bed with? Then I get these threatening messages. Take my advice. We have no idea what he's capable of. It's just been fucking hell. I'm just freaking out. But we needed to get payback. We don't know how far this conspiracy actually goes. It's just the tip of the iceberg. We had one chance to swindle the Dindler swindler. You want the drug me? Pay for it. All right. There is the trailer for the Tindler Swindler. Yeah. And that's a kind of a really amazing story. Basically, you've got this guy who's running around. Uh, suckering women on tinder to and it's amazing he does this like from a distance like even when they first get together for a couple times for coffee or whatever he manages to tell them like look i travel a lot you know i have to have a bodyguard and doing all this stuff and yet these women continue these relationships with this guy even though they at times fly out to him and see him for whatever amount of time but so this guy simon Lviv he basically posed himself as the son of this huge diamond heir. And LG diamonds mm-hmm, or something. And had figured out a way to even put himself out there, like with photoshopped pictures out on like I guess it's all like fake pictures, fake news um Hey, basically just insert his own body into these pictures of these, you know, the people uh, part of this diamond family. And, uh, so I, I, I'm amazed he can still get away with it. Cause like, you know, you're claiming to be the son of one of the most wealthy diamond people in the world, and no one really takes notice of this. Like, I can't imagine anybody who knows who's the, the father, supposedly, uh, Leave Leave or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, how someone in his direct company 
uh, family or otherwise that says, did you know this dude's, like, posing as your son? Like, no one notices this shit. Well, he'd been doing this for years before, like, the whole Tinder thing, because Tinder is is a little bit newer. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going across countries, going to uh, Finland, going to um, Norway, and he honestly... He had gotten himself in trouble for fraud and had to serve time. And then uh, two years, I think, when he was in Finland. And then he um, he had left Israel to go to Finland because he was convicted of earlier fraud charges, but had figured out a way to get out and, like, but then got in trouble in Finland for, for fraud charges and... It's really funny um, because I I think like after this um, you were saying they were you were looking online and people were really kind of giving a lot of these girls a lot of grief but you know he what he would do is he always had like women in the pipeline and he was living off of these other women so he you know, masquerades yeah. that he's in a very dangerous line of business, and in order to stay off the grid, he needs their credit card or them to get a loan. Or yeah, at that him. one point, she actually went and met him with like a suitcase full of cash or something. Or try to. Yeah, I so. But the the funny thing about him is he like if he needed a card, say from one of these girls, so American Express or whatever. You know, she would mail out the card to him, but it was in her name. It was never in his own name. It was name. never in his name because it needed to be untraceable so that, you know, his enemies, always these enemies were looking for him. So the, re- the way he could keep up with this, this lifestyle is he had multiple women on the hook. And it was actually noted that while he was dating this model... Everything that he was buying her, so whether it's a room in a hotel or food or clothing or whatever, which he was using another girl's credit card mm-hmm. to do it. Uh, the other thing was, uh, when I was talking with Neko off air about this, was the journalists that later on were hunting him down because Cecilia and Prunella are the, the two uh, blondes that are first uh, victimized by him. So they're going to the media. Cecilia's had enough of this. She's going to go to the journalist, put it in the papers, and this is where Simon was getting really angry with her. It says, you don't know who you're messing with. So the journalist, who finally ended up tracking her down through another uh, woman that Simon is dating, go back to Israel and find where he lives. And he actually lives in a very like ghetto-like area. Uh, and they run into his mother, who hasn't seen him in a couple of years. But his mailing address is still there in Israel. Uh, so this guy, however, some way has managed to do this to people, and uh, apparently he's pretty bright and charismatic, you know, in order to get people to fall for this. But you know, the other part of this was the well, people- it's it's gaslighting is what he does to them. Yeah, he, you, you know, I've had this happen to me. And um, I wasn't swindled. I'm just saying I've had somebody completely lie about who they were and their life. And it's really easy because what happens is for like the first 
it's like a whirlwind. You know, this person who did it to me knew I was I was just getting out of like a really a really rough relationship. It just was it was very and I was really sad. I started dating them and this person knew me, so he knew like all the wrong things that had happened and what was wrong with the other relationship. So right at the beginning, he was all about doing the right thing, you know, being that good boyfriend. Fast forward maybe a month and a half, I'm already hooked and I'm really happy, but then the lies start. And that's what was happening with these women because it's like, and this is kind of how I felt too, because I'm like, there's no way that this handsome guy would want to date me. This, this guy who, you know, I thought was out of my league. That's what these women are thinking. This, this guy who's out of my league really likes me and we're on Tinder and we're a match. And it's like almost like fate and the first well, like month is great and then that's when well that's the setup mm -hmm. but like the one thing that i will defend the uh the trolls who you know kind of like got nasty with these girls which i didn't agree with but you know they it's kind of a, a two-edged sword because you know they're they're when you watch the early part of the series the girls that are being swindled they're like oh well I forgot who made the comment. I think she was referencing Marilyn Monroe, uh, saying that, you know, Monroe was like, well, a rich guy to a woman is kind of like a guy looking at a young, pretty girl. Like, that's how they view it. So some of the people that were trolling these girls were like, look, all you were looking for was a guy with money. And I think while the way they went about it sucked ass and they shouldn't have been rubbing their nose in it, uh, the other part of it is like, those guys are probably the same type that's, would probably treat these girls nice, like, you know, in real life. Uh, but it gets hurtful when women like that are only looking for one avenue or one thing, uh, which was the attraction of money. Now, the article I was kind of reading up on in The Guardian kind of says that that's not really the motivation between these behind these women, because I know that Pernilla already kind of had her own money, and so did Cecilia in a way, uh, but not the type that he was supposedly mm -hmm. had. Uh but the other thing was, uh, and through the article, the, the guy who wrote it says, you know, I, I've had friends of women who were in their, you know, 40s and 30s, and they often say the same thing about how, you know, it's harder for them to find men their age group who aren't looking for younger women in their mm -hmm. 20s. Or, or looking for, um, you know, they're looking for women in their 20s, and they're also, you know, women my age, if I was single, I just would... I'm not looking, period. I don't want a boyfriend. I, I, I have no idea how people date. And, I mean, at this point, if I'm looking to date someone, you know, I don't have children, so I'm going to be like, I don't want somebody with children. I want somebody who is stable with a job. And, you know, a lot of these younger women, they're just, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they like to be worshipped, you know, and that's that's what we see as, as you know, middle-aged women. Well, it, that's why when they were saying, like, you know, here it is, you go for coffee, you come back, and then all of a sudden you're sending out your credit card and your passports to this guy, and it's like, 
yeah, in in our life, we look at and say, "What the fuck are you thinking?" Like, but you know, some of these women are so desperate for love to mm-hmm. find love that they don't think rationally about stuff. Because in one case, I think the Pernelia chick wasn't actually dating Simon; she was just supposedly friends with him because she had gone out and visited him. And this is when Simon was with the little uh, model chick. Mm-hmm. So she clearly knew that he was with this other girl, but she was friendly with Simon, and she wanted to help him. So there, it wasn't just romance in terms of Simon's uh, swindling. Like mm-hmm. He was taking advantage of women's friendship, which apparently is what something Cornelia was looking for at the time. So that even hurt her on that level because she's like, yeah, I trusted this guy, like, you know, as a friend, and he was taking me for all this money, and I think Cecilia lost, like, over 200 grand. Mm-hmm. So. This is why I, this is why I'm saying, like, I, coming from that age bracket, I understand how easy it is to. Get ha- enamored. Yeah, get enamored because I, I mean, I've seen what's out there. Just, like, looking from the outside, when you find someone who looks all shiny like Simon, and he, you know, is putting on this big show, and you're like, oh, man, this guy wants to be my friend, or this guy wants to date me, and he could do anything he wants because he's got his own jet, and, ha- I mean, and you, you almost feel, like, special. Because you're being picked by somebody who seems unattainable. That's what it is. And, again, I I came from that before. I don't know, I mean, learning what I learned after the fact. And honestly, I can't say that I regret the whole relationship that was terrible for me. Because that's how I met DJ Anubis. This guy actually introduced him to DJ Anubis to me. And, you know we've been together for 20 years now so that's good but I understand how easy you get hooked I don't even know why when I at the time I was only 21 and I had this guy who was you know 28 who for whatever reason I thought that he he could do no wrong and I was just so enamored by him and it's easy it's easy to do whatever they want or whatever they ask you because once you're hooked, it's hard to get off the hook even after you know the truth. Right. It took me a while. <clears throat> even after I figured out everything and everything was in front of me and he's still, the, the, the my guy, is still lying to me and there's part that part of me in my head is like, you know, he's really sticking to his story and... You know, why would he lie about his brother dying? Which never happened, by the way. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Storytellers would do that. You know, you pick like an, an, an insane story like Simon was about being chased by his enemies and, you know, sending horrible, bloody pictures of his bodyguard getting beat up. And, and it's so funny because, you know, Neko, like... She only found out because he made the fatal error of having a three-way call while talking to his wife. Well, see, I had already had all the rumors, and people are telling me, like, this never, you know, he's lying to you, he's lying to you, and then there's always an excuse. 
like, oh, I can't, this is like the excuses, I, I can't do this with you, my brother died, I have to go down to, to Texas or wherever, and he even took time off of work, took bereavement, I am, it was crazy, and I knew, like, people are telling me these things, and I had, um, Carol in the warehouse, not Carol that I'm seeing tonight, but Carol in the warehouse, the blonde, and I just don't want to say her last name, you know, um, she was one of the warehouse managers and because all the managers shared contact information she gave me all of the information like the phone number the home address and she's like I'm just gonna leave this on, on my desk and you can come in if you want to and jot it down even after having all this information put in front of me I didn't believe it until, like, DJ Anubis said, I was on my, this is old school cell phone days, too. I was on my cell phone, probably my Nokia, and he was on his, uh, fucking, what was the bleep? Blackberry. No, the bleep bleep Nextel. And I, um, I was on the phone with him, and he said, hold on, I have a call waiting. And somehow he just put me on hold and connected me to the phone call he was having because he put it on speakerphone so he could drive hands free so i'm hearing his conversation with his wife and i'm like all the signs were there how am i this stupid and how did i let this go from october until like fucking april i know that's not super long but you get sucked in really fast, especially if you haven't had a great track record with dating or guys and you're always kind of like looked at as the weird girl. And when you finally find someone who's, who's handsome and in like the normal category and nobody has a problem with them, like, you know, you're like, I got to hold on to this guy. Cause you know, he's, he's great. He's like good on paper until you start realizing what you're reading is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, the, uh, it, eventually, like I said, uh, there was a couple of Norwegian journalists who tracked him down uh, with the help of a Dutch woman. She wasn't Russian, she was Dutch. Oh, okay. Eileen, uh, who really, literally discovered on the way to go see Simon that uh, he was fake and that he was a user and swindler. And so, uh, but she did her own swindling in the sense that once she got all his goods, like his Gucci shirts and some of his belongings, because <clears throat> the object was for her to go back, because he couldn't leave right away. Uh, he couldn't back. leave because he was worried about um, getting arrested. Right. And he was running out of money because he was trying to stay low, so he didn't have another woman to swindle. So he was selling all of his expensive clothes and to stuff. To get money. So she did it, but she was getting it to get her money back that she had already given to Simon. This is, she didn't get quite everything back that she normally would because she gave out more, but she did go on eBay, sell the items, and was keeping the money. And he kind of caught on that that's probably what was going on. And he got very upset, and he was leaving messages, and then he'd call back and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell He's like, he was really desperate. Yeah, because he was probably, you have no idea what right, I Right, he was against the wall, like he didn't know. So, and eventually he found a way to get money to get a ticket to fly out to where she was, like he knew where she lived. Uh, and he told her he was going to be on his way out there. Now, he didn't say he was going to hurt her or anything, but we figured 
he's coming for the money, basically. Mm-hmm. So she's like getting in touch with the police and everyone else. Like, look, I know he's coming. This is what his name is on this credit card he sent me. This is what he's flying under. He's coming. And so they arrested him at the airport. With a fake visa. That's yeah. right. He had a fake passport. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that because he was trying to stay low and didn't yeah. want to get arrested. Yeah. Yeah. And so they got him, but they could only keep him in jail for, actually, I think he only served like five months of the 14 he was supposed to be in there. And, uh, like I say, he got out and, I don't know, he, he, first he put up like a website where he was giving business advice for a fee. <clears throat> and then, uh, they have, you know, other YouTube clips or TikTok clips or whatever it is where he's showing off his new clothes and his watches and his car. And he had an Instagram account up until like right after this aired and then he closed it down and he basically said um I'm going to, you know, there's my side of the story too. These women traveled with me and were more than happy to help me and Yeah, and you know, of course they were happy to help him but under false pretenses. And this is his way of doing that is a lot like the way that her former uh, lover had done to her. Like, his, I was driving with this guy, and he was telling Mind me... Mind you, we had been broken up, but the, again, can't get off the hook. We remained friends because we were co-workers, too, and, you know, I knew what was up. But, but he, he was, was telling me, like, passing the buck, like, you know, she's crazy, man. She stalks me all the time and doing this and that. And it isn't until, like, I'm kind of seeing the pattern here when I finally meet her and I'm talking to her and we're getting to know each other that, like, it's nothing like he says. I don't know what he's talking about. She didn't bring up him at all during our first date. And so, like, I and then, of course, as she said, other people at work, they talk. And then I think eventually he got in trouble for something else that he had done at work. This is before unlimited cell phone minutes, yeah. and he was using his work phone for personal, and, you know, you only had, like, X amount of minutes, and he ran up, like, a $1,000 cell phone yeah. bill. So, yeah, he buried himself in a lot of different ways. I think even Neko said that uh, a couple of years later, his wife or ex-wife had called just to talk to her because she was... Suspicious again, and I had just happened to still be working at the place, well... I had left and came back. Right. And um, she's still married to him. Yeah, well, I do have kids, so sometimes that's a factor. But, you know, at the same time, if he's good at swindling and talking his way out of trouble. And he is apparently always kind of been the person who is the moneymaker, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, he was even lying to her because, like, when he lost his job, he just basically said... Um, you know, they wanted me to relocate, um, and then they down, you know, they down eliminated my job, and so, who knows, that, because this is what his wife told me, yeah. and so, when you are this liar, the way that you, who knows what he's doing now, or what they're doing now, I have no idea, maybe I'll stalk him on Facebook and see what they're up to, but, I, um, it's like, it wasn't just me he was feeding lies to. It was his family. You know, because I asked about everything that was ever asked. Like, everything that was ever lied to me about. Like, these are serious things. Like, his daughter was dying in the hospital. 
so he he so he came over to the New Year's Eve party, only stayed for a short while because his daughter was very sick, dying in the hospital. Never happened. He missed like important things. Uh, it was around Christmas time, so it probably was like Christmas dinner or something because his brother died. These are things that you don't necessarily like. You're not going to question, right? We were supposed to do something one day and he wouldn't answer the phone and I couldn't, you know, get a hold of him and blah, blah, blah. And um, he told me he hit a deer. And, that, and he's, he was just so wrapped up and his car is wrecked and his car was fine. I'm like, wow, they fixed it really fast, you know. And then um, I think the best one was uh, we had this Christmas party and, you know, we he was my date and I had gotten a room and his phone kept ringing the whole time and he's like, oh, I'm just going to shut this thing off. It's all the guys downstairs. They want me to come back down. It was his wife calling him and calling him and then he's like, oh, I don't feel good. I, I just... I have a cold. I would you care if I went home? No, you have to go home because you told your wife you were going without her to the Christmas party, and now she's checking up on you. So this is what I mean. Like I, I'm sorry, I'm droning on about this, but it's it's dear to my heart because before this relationship, I was with my high school sweetheart from ninth grade until a month shy of turning 21 and that was my dating experience really you know a few random guys in ninth grade and I didn't like I probably should have broken up with with the guy from high school a million times not because he was a terrible person he just refused to grow up he had no direction and um, we didn't share the same goals or anything as we started to get older and I it held me back a lot because I was actually, um, you know, I had almost a 4.0 grade point average. I was accepted to a lot of colleges and because he did not have great grades, I decided to stick to a local community college. And when I could have gone to um, UCLA or um, University of Maryland, Penn State, I was accepted to, there's a program in Maryland where basically you it's kind of like a blanket application for all of the state schools and I was accepted to every state school um you know I had scholarships given to me and because I just am the type of per this is this is I say this to Anubis all the time and I I've gotten better as I've gotten older because like my but it, it waxes and wanes I don't like I can never believe somebody likes me so I I clench on a lot of times I clamped on to him in like two dates <laughs> I was like you actually like me I'm the weird girl who listens to metal and likes Godzilla and Kung Fu and he's like that's exactly what I want that's exactly what I'm looking for I don't I don't understand what you don't understand and that's that's just always been my uh my you know issue is and back to these girls when you maybe haven't gotten that nice dating relationship you know when you finally get that nice feeling you just really don't know how to act when things don't go right 
and it took me a long time. Like, I mean, Anubis and I rarely have any kind of major fights, but that's probably because we're right for each other and we don't need to fight, but it, it does. It just surprises me still to this day that he, he, uh, Anubis finds me interesting or funny or attractive or... Four! Four! But I think that's why we, uh, he completes me. You complete me. You complete me. All right, back into our music. Yeah, let's get some metal in this. It was kind of depressing. God, <laughs> I'm going down. My brain is, like, going to places it hasn't been in a while. Got some stuff from Against PR in here, Everlasting Spew Records, but brand new Arch Enemy, Handshake with Hell. And this is very cool because it's kind of the first time, at least, that I've heard so far as Alyssa's doing rough and clean vocals, and I really like it, so... Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. New stuff, Arch Enemy.
Hey kids, it's your pal Barney. And guess who's gonna be your new bus driver? Oh, me! Oh boy! Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh. Here we go! Oh, oh, oh. Come on, hop on, kitties! Oh. Hi, Barney. I brought you a candy kiss because I love you. Oh, that's sweet, Susie. But you know I'm a diabetic. Now sit down and shut up, kids, unless you want a big purple foot in your ass. Oh, boy. Hey, wait a minute. Are you smoking back there, Billy? Yeah, what's it to you? Well, I hope you brought enough for the whole school bus. Come on, pass them around. Oh, oh boy. But, Barney, my mommy says smoking's bad for you. Oh, believe me, Bobby. I've seen your mommy put a lot worse than cigarettes in her mouth. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hey, Barney, you're not supposed to drink and drive, I'm telling. Come here, Tommy. Barney has a secret to tell you. Come here, closer. Unless you want the next picture Mommy and Daddy see of you to be on the back of a milk carton, I'd keep that mouth full of metal shut. Hey, kids, Tommy just told me all your mothers are whores. No, oh, hey, get Jenny. Come on, get him, guys. Come on, Hey, Barney, this isn't the way to school. Barney has to make a little stop first. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Yo, Blue, what you need? I need a 20-piece, and don't gank me on the count this time, or I'll bust a cap in your ass. Come on, kids, give Barney your lunch money. Don't hold out, or I'll dump you right here. What up, y'all? This is Roger from Nomaz, and also Andrew. We're back, DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. It's now time for our action movies of the 2000s from 2000 to 2010. All right. Actually, be 2009. 2010 will be the next one, but. Let me get my picture up. I, I know you're going to have to help me because I can't ever see these. I know. It's, it's the only problem is it's kind of small and you can't, it doesn't give you like the full picture all the time. But oh, there we go. There we go. I zoomed right in there. Now I can't see the whole thing and it, it won't go up and there we go. All right. All right. So our movies that we used in this one, again, we're going by decades. So we're not including every single thing. We're not including every sequel uh some sequels we do count just because i think they are we more like worthy them. well more worthy than other ones you know i mean we can sit there and put in every fast and furious but it yeah. really wouldn't be no it's only like the first one right so the movies that we uh chose for our our rankings this time is battle royal battle royal 2 get carter gone in 60 seconds romeo must die versus three thousand miles to graceland Brotherhood of the Wolf, The Fast and the Furious, Kiss of the Dragon, hmm, interesting name, <laughs> The Born Identity, Equilibrium, The Transporter, Gladiator, Triple X, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Onbok, Underworld, Blade Two, Blade Trinity, The Born Supremacy, Hellboy, Kill Bill One and Two, Van Helsing, Walking Tall, Assault on Precinct 13, 
Batman Begins, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Serenity, Sin City, Transporter 2, Unleashed, Casino Royale, mm-hmm. uh, Crank, Dragon Tiger Gate, Underworld Evolution, V for Vendetta, Watchmen, 300, The Born Ultimatum, Hitman, Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. Live Free or Die Hard, Shooter, Chocolate, The Dark Knight, The Forbidden Kingdom, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, Ip Man, Punisher Warzone, Rambo, Rambo 4, Taken, Transporter 3, G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, Maranto, Ninja Assassin, Sherlock Holmes, and Underworld Rise of the Lycans. So those are our choices this round. So as usual, we're going to start at the bottom and make our way up to our top list. So do you want to go first or me? All right, so I, um, in average, oh my God, I got to zoom in again. A lot of these, in average, I either don't remember them. Or you haven't seen them. Or I haven't seen them. Which we kind of started doing just because... It's easier to... Like, I don't want to call something bad. Well, there are some bad ones, like... Right. But, but, I mean, but at the same time, like, in order to include more stuff that I think that people would... Other people would recognize, mm-hmm. we need to kind of kind of go that route, so... So, for me, literally all of these, I don't remember seeing. Or, in the case of G.I. Joe, it just sucked. <laughs> so, uh, for me, G.I. Joe just sucked, and everything else, I don't remember. So, this is Chocolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maranto. Yeah. Unleashed versus Get Carter, Battle Royale 2. Uh, Dragon Tiger Gate. Dragon Tiger Gate and, and Ninja, Ninja Assassin. Okay. Those, and th- these, it's literally, that's how I, um, I just, I don't remember them, or... There's one I really just didn't like. Right. Uh, I think it really probably because you do like martial arts like I do. So I think you enjoy a lot of those. Um, you'll see some familiar faces. But, uh, but again, the, since you haven't seen them. The Dragon Tiger Gate one, I think I would like. I just like looking at the. Well, interesting thing about Ninja Assassin, the lead character, he actually, he's actually an Asian pop singer. Like it. That's what he does now. That's what he is, and so, but he does. He did this role because I mean, he's cut like a motherfucker. Yeah, but, he is. Uh, but the movie's actually really decent. Uh, very underrated. I went into it thinking, "Wow, is this really gonna be good?" But it turned out to be pretty decent. Uh, Versus is very cool because it's it's around the same time that Dane, uh, who introduced us to Itchy the Killer, uh, this is another one of those films at the time. It's. It's crazy, but it's like samurai swords and zombies, so it's really kind of fucking crazy, but it's awesome. Very good stuff. Something I dig. Yeah. Uh, Get Carter has Sylvester Stallone. He's like a former um, bodyguard or hitman. I can't remember exactly which, but uh, his niece is apparently caught up in some... um, Shit. Trafficking, like with a video of her doing some sexual acts under the drug, influence of drugs, I think... Paul Rubin is in as well. Oh, well, then I gotta see it. Uh, Unleashed, of course, is Jet Li. Uh, just a film you haven't seen. Uh, Maranta is very cool because uh, I always pronounce his name wrong. Yuka Was, who's in um, 
the Night Counts Wars, he plays opposite Joe Taslam. They, they're they very good martial artists. Also in the Raid, he's the lead guy in the Raid. Okay. Uh, Chocolate is very cool because I can't remember the chick's name, the young girl, but she's a very good martial artist, but she plays a, a blind chick who, I think she's blind. I always sometimes confuse her, but she, she's going to collect the debts that her father is owed by these people because her father is like a drug user or something. He's not, he's unable to go and collect his own money, so she's doing it. And these are some bad people that owe him some money. So, of course, they're trying to push her around, but they realize she can actually fight. Like, she teaches herself watching TV or whatever. Oh, really? Fight. Yeah, so she's very good martial artist. Uh, it's just a good storyline, uh, a lot of fun. Um, I'll get the G.I. Joe in a minute because it's a little better than what she gave it. But oh, wow. My average list, though, again, I, I can take these films and if I just want to sit and chill, I can be fine with it. It's The first one is Walking Tall. My biggest deal with this, I love the original a lot. Uh, and I love The Rock Johnson, obviously, but... It, it wasn't quite long enough. Like, they really cut this. Yeah, they really knew the film down. It's all right. I put it in decent. I didn't, I thought, I watched it one time. I, like, I, I right. could never, it was I okay. Mean, I didn't feel like I was cheated out of my money, but. No, no, you know, Dwayne does a great job. Uh, it's It does follow the similar storyline from the original, but, like, I was just expecting it to be a little bit longer. Uh, you're like, could you please be a little bit better? Yeah, could you put a little more thought into it? I think sometimes, too, like, you feel like you can never... I'm sorry, I was just walking around, guys, so if you lost me. Um, when you're doing a remake, you get criticized first because you're doing a remake. And then you get criticized because you don't put your own spin on it. Like, I think they were just like... Somehow this became a contractual thing. I don't know why they decided to do it. Um... And it just kind of, I don't, I don't think it flopped, but I don't think it did what they thought it was going to do. Right. Uh, Get Carter is in here. Um, again, I, I enjoy the movie. Uh, it's a little dark. Uh, it has Mickey Rourke in it as well. Um, but it's, if I'm comparing to some of the other stuff that's on our list, it's just not going to really overtake that. Triple X it's kind of a fun movie with Vin Diesel and Asia Argento, but uh, it's forgettable in a lot of ways, too. So it's kind of like, okay. That's, again, I put that in decent, cause just because I we went to the movies and saw it. And right. that's the only time I've ever seen it. Meh. So now we'll get to decent, and you're up. Um, so this movie got a special because I haven't seen it, but... I described it He too. described it to me, and it's like... So, what is it? Destination Graceland? No, it's uh, 3,000 Miles of Graceland. Okay. With Kurt Russell, Kevin Costner, even Courtney Cox is in it. Uh, basically, Kurt Russell and Costner are, like, former teammates as far as, like, robbing banks and stuff and all that stuff. And the big plan here is to go and rob a casino in Vegas dressed as Elvises. They're all going to be dressed as Elvis, like the whole group. Okay. And, uh, but somewhere along the way, Kurt's, like, hooking up with Courtney in some way, uh, and he, she has a young son that he's, you know, you know, likes a lot. Costner's kind of like the crazy dude in the group who doesn't really give a shit and he doesn't care about killing people and stuff, so it's, 
it's really uh there's tension there between him and Russell's characters. Um, I mean, just Elvis is robbing a casino is is really. It sounds like it's great. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. Um, my next one is Hitman. Timothy Alfan. Yeah. Uh, what's the next one? Mm. Then we have Shooter with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I think I really enjoyed that film a lot. I think I saw it like once. Walking Tall. We already talked about that. Uh, Rambo, the fourth Rambo. The Punisher. Warzone. Yeah. Warzone. Transporter three, um, and Transporter two because I'm like I don't even I know I've seen them. I don't even remember. I can't handle it. Like three, it's surprising you forgot three, and I'll say why. She's putting a smile on her face, but it's it's when uh, Statham is traveling with the redhead, and there's a moment in the garage where he's fighting, and he has in order to keep from getting his ass kicked, he rubs himself in his grease, and he's all greased up, and she's giving her the googly. He's giving. She's giving him the googly eyes through the car. No, nope, don't remember. You don't remember all the... Oh, mm. Okay, see. See, I get hot and bothered just watching it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Triple X, we already talked about that. Assault on Precinct 13. That's another remake, and again, watched it once. Never... I, I thought it was a pretty decent remake, just in the sense that you had Fishburne and Ethan Hawke, and I, the original was very good, too, obviously, but because uh, Carpenter did it, but... When they did the remake, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And they actually did it a little bit different than the uh, original, which is cool, too. So, I like that, too. And my last one, Indecent, is Sin City. And I could I could have put it at the bottom. Yeah, I, 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 I'm surprised you even put it that much love. <laughs> because, like, I I really don't like this movie. I wish, like, everybody talks about it. There's It's, like, one of these things where you have all these great actors and the movie sucks. And, I, you know, I might... I might push it down to average because I've tried. Like this is another one that I I don't even know what the fuck's going on. I've tried to watch it. Well, it it, it does move around a little bit. It's almost like Pulp Fiction because they do move timelines a little bit. But yeah, but Pulp Fiction's actually good and watchable. But since he's good, like and like I said, you've got your girl Alexis Bloodells in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Del Toro. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you got Bruce Willis. Yeah, I I'm sorry. It's. Even when you got um, it's a no for me. Frodo playing a serial killer. I mean, that's great. It's a no for me. <laughs> Sorry. She's so, like, nah, I just don't think so. All right, and my decent is almost similar to hers. I have Assault on Precinct Thirteen, Hitman, uh, Crank, Blade Two, Unleashed. G.I. Joe, Rise of the Cobra, uh, Van Helsing, Romeo Must Die, Sin City. Oh, at least we agree on something. V for Vendetta. Those are my decents. And, I mean, I'm not trying to slide any of them again. It's just a matter of, in the group that we have, the group of movies, some just rate a little higher than others. And, you know, I have no problem. Like, to me, a lot of the bottom two tiers are stuff that I can watch when I'm really not trying to pay attention. I just mm-hmm. want to have fun. So that's what I would do with that. All right. So in my good, it's uh, Live Free or Die Hard. This is the fourth Die Hard. Mm-hmm. You this and I is... went to the drive-in to see this. Yeah. And it was hard because, like, the first three... I'm glad you remembered that. Why? Because I almost forgot where we saw it. Oh, we, um, and I, I don't think I've ever really sat down and, like, purpose, like, if it was on TV, I would put it on. It's this high? 
because it's a diehard movie. But the first three are so phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, like... The first one is great. The second one is great. The third one is completely different, and it's great. Like, this one, it just kind of, like, went off course for me. So, but because it's a diehard movie... Well, this is... Yeah, this was the one where, basically, you have Justin Long. He's a hacker. He's helping out Timmy Elephant, who's playing a villain. <clears throat> and they're trying to shut down America's, like... Grid. Uh, grid. And so, you know... This is the one with the big fucking helicopter and... Yeah, and of course, you know, he's got a daughter who's involved now. And so, like, it kind of gets a little bit more weirder with that part of it. Just because, even after this, his son gets involved. I'm like, dude, why are we bringing all these kids in this shit? Well, they're adults now. I mean, they are, but I'm just saying, like... I just like McLean by himself. I do, too. Fucking shit up. And he still does. He still does a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, There's some great kills, kills and fights and whatnot. All right. Next is Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. Ong Bak. I have moved Brotherhood of the Wolf. Now, if you would have asked me this last year, that would be down in the lowest of low. Mm-hmm. But I've gotten another appreciation for it after it was one of Anubis's picks of the week. Now, and this is the God's honest truth, I probably said it during the, um, when we were talking about his pick of the week. Um, the first time I watched it with him was the only time I watched it ever until I rewatched it recently. And it's better. You know? It's 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 better than what I initially um you know thought. thought. Yeah. And I, I didn't give it enough love, but there's the my complaints are still valid with it's a really fucking unnecessarily long. There could there could have been some good editing. But um, after that, V for Vendetta, um, I liked it. I can't remember everything. I just, I remember, uh, what's her face shaving her head and, yeah, and then the, all the little masks and. Yeah, it's pretty much what style the mask for Anonymous <laughs> here. Serenity is my next one and I really, that's like from that TV show that we liked. Firefly. Yeah, yeah. so I really like that. Kiss of the Dragon, which was our pick of the week this week, too. Um, you know, I when you have all of this, if you can tell right here, lots of fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's good. Good fighting. You know, that's what you can just, I can count on there. And it, it's not going to be, you know, again, like, the next one is in my good cat category is Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um It's just good fighting, and it was a clever story. But the thing is, because I, like, you know, I don't want to say the twist, but when you figure out, like, what was going on, I'm like, I don't know. You know, it's not as, as clever as it was. Right. But it's, it goes up there and good because it's kind of original, almost. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, plus, I mean, look, you got really good acting from Jolie and Pitt and that, and it's funny in some spots. I mean... I'll just say one scene from it I remember is that Jolie is there to take out a guy, and they've got their own teams behind it. So, like, Brad has one guy that's sort of like his, uh, what would you call him? I forget. Um, keeper. No, no. Uh, the guy just kind of dulls out the work. Uh, 
Oh, where he get? Because that's where. Because he they're they're hitmen and hitmen. Yeah, it's played by a guy who was in the breakup. Mm-hmm. And he um Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, yeah. And, and he um, he's basically the one who. He gets all the information, and, and when they on. put it out, and and he so this they put these hits out to everybody. Like this is the new hit, and Pitt is the one who um, carries them out. Right, and so like, but Jolie has like this team of femme fatales that are all part of their group that do the same thing. So she's there in the desert trying to get ready to take out this target, and so her husband who they don't even know at the time that they're both killer contract killers uh pitt is like driving a jeep in like a a hawaiian shirt and shorts and like you know boots (laughs) and he's got like a bazooka that's how he's gonna take out the target so but at first jolie doesn't recognize him like she's he's kind of far away it's kind of dusty and so it's just it's really funny when they finally realize oh so you're oh oh Oh. And then there's like cat and mouse game between both of them because really they were going after each other, right? They they thought they were trying to kill each other, so they were kind of doing that and they were fighting and everything else. So, uh, okay, so is that all you had on that? That's one? my good list. All right, my good list is Three Thousand Miles of Graceland, Live Free or Die Hard, Punisher War Zone, Kill Bill One and Two, uh, Shooter, Hellboy Two, Maranto. Transported 3 and 2, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Fast and the Furious, Dragon Tiger Gate, Ninja Assassin, and Batman Begins. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised at some of yours. Alright, so moving on to my great. Um, I, my great is pretty thick. Like, because she's a thick. It, it is. It's pretty. It's like three deep. It's mm-hmm. three rows deep. Cause like I'm looking at my best, and I really, I really trimmed my best because these. Well, that's usually how it works. We figure our our top tier should always be like the most best of the best. Mm-hmm. And I also have to like ask myself when I look at things. Like sometimes I'll look at like a movie, and I'm like, is this movie? better than something I know is something I love. Mm-hmm. So first for me, great. Now these are all great movies, but they didn't make my best. And I know some of these, you know, Anubis agrees with me. Um, Gladiator, Taken, Hellboy 2, Blade Trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Underworld Evolution. Of Underworld, yeah. Sherlock Holmes. I don't know if the next one Romeo is. Romeo Must Die. Romeo Must Die. I really like that. Dark Knight. Dark Knight. The first Transporter. Mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Forbidden Kingdom. Oh, yeah. I love the Forbidden Kingdom. The Which Bourne is this? The Ultimatum. The Bourne Ultimatum. Third one, yeah. Fast and the Furious. Van Helsing. Van Helsing. <clears throat> Blade 2. Blade 2. Batman Begins. Batman Begins. The Born Supremacy. Equilibrium. Ip Man. And Kill Bill 1 and 2. And the only, like, little asterisks, again, kind of like with Kill Bill 1 and 2 and with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You know, like, when you finally watch both of them, 
you just kind of get to the end and you're like, it was very good. Like everything about it is, is amazing. And I still remember like how great it felt to watch them. But it's kind of like once you get to the end. Yeah, there's really only like, obviously the final scene between Carradine and Uma Thurman. Uh, that's cool. No, but what I'm saying is, like, after you get to the end and she finally gets to kill Bill and then she realizes, like, she has a daughter, her daughter, you know, all of that. Like, I, um, it's, that was, like, I don't want to say the twist, because she did I don't think she even really knew that she, No, she had thought, because she, remember, she got put in a coma. Yeah. So she thought the baby was gone, which it was, but just she thought it was dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the first one a little better than the second one just because the the fight with Lucy Liu and the, the what was it, the crazy eights or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great things about that. I mean, obviously, uh, Tarantino was paying a lot of homage to the classic martial arts mm, and samurai like, films. And, and that's one thing that makes me really like it. There's so much, you know what I mean? Like, I just, boom, I loved. But, again, once you get to the end... There's not as much of a rewatchability factor. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that holds this. Even that's why it's a great and not a best. Because I haven't sat down with this movie in a long time, and I would really, you know, I think I'm, I might. I mean, technically, they probably could have wrapped that up in the one movie. I mean, I know why Tarantino did it, but I think really they could have just wrapped it up in like a three-hour movie mm-hmm. and been done with it. All right. Well, mine. Again, you and I are actually pretty close with some of these. Um, Gladiator, Taken, The Born Identity, Casino Royale, Chocolate, The Transporter, Rambo 4, Blade Trinity. I know people hate Blade Trinity when it comes to that series, but there's, it's got to be said that Ryan Reynolds and Parker Posey are the ones that really steal that movie just because of the dialogue between the two, the banter. Uh, I say this a lot, the same thing with Lake Placid when it comes to Gleason and uh, Alvar Platt. Yeah. It, it, it just, it totally makes the movie so much enjoyable. Like, I don't care how bad Dracula is in Trinity. It's just it's like, I enjoy every other aspect about it. Like, it's it's good. And it, to me, it's memorable. Yeah. That's why it's up there. And it has... Like, you literally couldn't remember Blade 2 that I'm like, much. like, what happened in 2? Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, oh, I was like, that was the one with the with the, va- the vampires and the open... Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. But 3, I'm like, I totally remember. 1, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Right. The, <laughs> well, we already did 1, because these two actually happened after mm-hmm. the 90s, so... <laughs> That's what I mean. Blade 1 is like... To shit. A, a number one stunner for me, forever. Uh, Underworld, the first one. Underworld Evolution. Gone in 60 Seconds. The Forbidden Kingdom, Hellboy, Battle Royal 2, 300, Versus, and The Born Ultimatum. Those are my great list. I actually think I might, I, because I, I put the, the, I think I like the second Born one more than the first one, and I put the Born Identity in best. I hate when I think too hard about these. Yeah. Because I love that girl. Well, the entire trilogy is great like mm-hmm. i've seen the fourth one and the fifth one which I, I didn't care for either one of them but they don't exist yeah it's basically they shouldn't exist i think i am amending it in my brain like i really like the born 
supremacy supremacy more than the born identity mm -hmm. which is fine i like the born identity um a lot like oh yeah i mean but they're I, both and the best in grade for me so like it's, well that's so like the other two are in great but the my put the born identity in best but i really should have put the born supremacy, supremacy. but that's you know technical yeah so what's the for un, the underworld rise of the like that that's one, the third one th i like that one a lot mm -hmm. born supremacy slash identity well you know she's swapping them out <laughs> casino royale and that's like i think um the best daniel craig um it probably is his best of the entire series he's done. I mean, he's had, like, two or three other good Bond movies. Mm -hmm. um, but we that's probably like the best. We didn't like the second one that much, did we? Uh, I, I don't remember what exactly it was, was the second was, one, but the, were, the like, one that was the uh, with Olga from Hitman, she was in it. That one was re Quantum of Solace, mm -hmm. really bad. That's really what it is. Bad. That was the second one, Quantum of Solace. Ugh, also in Casino Royale, we get to see Daniel Craig in a teeny tiny Speedo. Speedo. Um, Crank, I'm surprised you had Crank so low. Uh, it's a fun movie. Um, I think both Statham and Amy Smart are awesome in that. I really do dig the... It's kind of funny because it's the one scene that probably shouldn't be his memorable, but when he's tr fucking her in public. and At first, she's like very offended that he's trying to get it on with her, but then like he's doing such a good job. She's that, like, oh. And, and the crowd's cheering him on, so like, he's like... Yeah, yeah, you know, because he's got to keep his adrenaline up in the movie. So for those who haven't seen it, you gotta you go see it. You have to see it. Like yeah. the, he's given this injection, which is like a Molotov cocktail, to his heart mm -hmm. that makes him. If his adrenaline goes down, it short circuits his heart, and he'll die. And he'll die. So he's constantly on uh, adrenaline rush, yeah, so drinking. So, Red Bulls and and this one scene, he's in a pharmacy and he he's laughing because it's me. But I um use no, I have really bad allergies and I'm always using nose spray and it does have like a little bit of you know how allergy medicine has a little bit of a kick to it. And he's just like <laughs> to keep like his adrenaline up. I'm like this is so fucking hysterical. Like there's so many things about it. Um, I mean I never even I don't think I've seen. Crank too. I've seen. It, they're, they're okay. It was. That's what I mean. Like this one was so. We saw it in the movie though. Mm -hmm. You and I, we're just so movie people. <laughs> we're two peas in a pod. Um, the next one, Gone in sixty seconds. I everything about this was pretty badass. Like it's I, a remake, and it was well done. Uh, Cage and Angelina Jolie, um, a lot of other familiar faces in there. I love just like how they, um, they just, the, the way they organize the theft. They're like, we're going to go out and do it all in one night. Yeah. Get yeah, it all three done. Days. And then they were like figuring out, um, like this is a while ago, but like now you can't even drive my car without the key, like, being in the V like you would have to steal my keys to steal my car or figure out my VIN number and repro you, you know what I mean and that's that was kind of like the beginning of when they were figuring out that with the Mercedes mm -hmm. um they had to program the keys and um just it was so clever everything about it was good um that's why it's in my best and I have watched this movie a million times 
and I think like I could just pop it on and be completely. We own it. Yeah, we do. Oh, I don't know what the next one is. Once upon a time in Mexico, the sequel to Desperado. <laughs> I love it. I don't know why you yours is lower than mine. What did you put it in? Uh, where did I put it? Uh, good. I put it in good. Okay. All right. And I don't know what the next one is either. It's covered oh, over. Underworld. Oh, the first Underworld. Yeah. Hellboy, the first one. The Watchman. Who watches The Watchman? And The 300. Spartans! It's not like we can't be civilized. As <laughs> they're stepping over corpses. <laughs> I also, you know, this is how you do a stylized. You've well, got, it's the same guy I did Sin City. That's what I was going to say. That's how you do something stylized. Sin City is not good. This is a stylized, like, movie. Also, The Watchmen. Like, I, I know a lot of people don't like The Watchmen. Um, it is a very long movie, and the thing is, is it could be two movies. I bought DJ Anubis this special edition. It's the hard cover of the graphic novel of The Watchmen. And I, because I love getting drunk and doing stupid shit, I was drinking and watching The Watchmen and then trying to follow along in the graphic novel. And there's so much more in there. And there's, like, little, like, pictures and things and, like, letters. You know how, like, uh, Rorschach was, was sending letters? And mm -hmm. um, you get to read all of that in the graphic novel. And I, excuse me, I really could have put it into two movies However, they weren't even sure if one movie was going to do it for them, and I, well, um... Ironically, Zack Snyder, who did 300, did that movie as mm -hmm. well. So... <laughs> it's really kind of the last really good film that Snyder did, in my opinion. I mean, I know people like Justice League a lot, the, the four-hour-long thing. The Snyderverse? But, yeah. I'm just not really keen on it, for a lot of different reasons. Really not just with Snyder there with that, but uh, just a lot of different things. I, I... Who did Hellboy... Del Toro, I think. I'm pretty sure. Real. It's just something about, like... And see, that's the one thing about that series. Like, both were good, but I wish they would have done a third one with Perlman, because Perlman was a great Hellboy. Mm -hmm. Like, they did the reboot with the uh, guy from Stranger Things, and I haven't seen it, but people have really bombed the shit out of it. That's, that's one of the reasons. Even though it was R-rated, but... They should have done an R-rated Ron Perlman one. Um... I love, like, the mythos, and, like, I was actually talking to Derek about this. This is funny. Not about Hellboy in general, but, like, conspiracy theories, and, and like, so it had, like, a little bit of magic and folklore, and, cons like, with the whole Hitler thing, mm -hmm. and Derek and I, he's, like, he's telling me some things w about, like, there's new evidence for things that have happened, like, I'm not going to get all, like, technical, but I'm, like... I, I believe, like, because there are a lot, some serious conspiracy theorists out there who are like, oh, I don't know, the Holocaust is fake, the shooting never happened, like, JFK never died, like, these big conspiracy theorists, but the one thing that he's, he sends me these little things to read or little YouTube clips that I haven't had a chance to watch, but things that happen and, like, the news media burying things and like so it's just that's what I mean like with the the Hitler thing it is quite 
who do we know? How are they? Maybe they were just like, he went in hiding. You know, we don't know. We just get fed what we get fed from the news. That's so when when Derek was telling. But that's a two way street because some of the people that do the conspiracy theories are doing the very same thing that they they are claiming that the media is doing. Like people will just pull shit out to the, try to make a claim. Like mm-hmm. even now they still say that the Twin Towers was an inside job. Like and people will go to great lengths. To oh, try I to watched pull. a whole thing on that where it's like, look at it there. They blew yeah. it up from inside, and I'm like, they actually have footage of fucking planes hitting the and you're trying to tell me that that was like fake this is some dude's camcorder that he was recording anyway yeah it's crazy but you know but that's just how people are sometimes this is this is like the the one thing that he's sending sent me was about the columbine shooting right and oh yeah they recently said something like there was more people involved or something mm, like there, that. there's and it's been because now these kids are adults right and there are some of them saying that they were asked to say it was so and so, like right. it was th- this guy and not the other guy. And then one guy was like, I thought it was this guy because he always wore a trench coat to school every day, but then he didn't that day. And like they're saying that people were getting like misidentified and that it's possible there were other people who were involved until it got a little bit too crazy like um they found somebody with a airsoft rifle not a real gun but like right so there's and these are also people now who are my age and they're you know talking now because they're not really afraid because it's been 20 some years and they're like well i'm gonna tell you what i remember and what i was told not to say kind of thing anyway that's, that's what a discussion I'm... for another day yeah, that, we'll, we'll save that one we'll save uh, that until i come back so my best list i have rise of the likings honor world three we love that one don't we battle royal uh sherlock holmes the dark knight hot fuzz did you have hot fuzz in your... where's hot fuzz did you not place it Oh, it's in t- it's in best. There's Hot Buzz okay. right there. All right, so she Sorry, did. I did. I just I it's underneath the tear maker um title. Yeah, it's kind of again hard to see. So Hot Fuzz, uh, which we'll probably see again in another list because we'll be doing comedies at some point. Onbach, uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, shocker there. I have shocker there. Serenity, Watchmen, The Born Supremacy. I know. I'm, I'm supremacy is best. Identity is great. <laughs> Uh, Kiss of the Dragon, which we'll be talking about later. Equilibrium, I just talked about that on uh, Flick Snack Show not too long ago. And Ip Man. And I'm sitting there going, I like the second one too, but it came out after 2009, so we'll be seeing that on our next action. Of course, I'll have to wait till she gets back. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I really feel like I... Sh- Did I put Ip Man too low? Where'd I put it? Did I put it in great... Okay, yeah, thank God. I was like, because you remember, we were we were just like blown away by the... Cause it's, the it's, choreography in both those movies are freaking And fantastic. his life story. Yeah. Like, traveling from China down to Hong Kong. And when I was, fuck, I am just... I'm never going to get to go to Hong Kong ever again. And he wasn't with me. And I was just with a bunch of people who I knew from work, but I was not super close to them. So I just kind of went along with whatever they wanted to do, which is, like, get drunk at the bar and sing karaoke. Whereas yeah, I, I had lots of things I wanted to do, 
but I'm not keen because I am only five foot two and I'm a female and I don't speak Chinese. I was not keen on going off by myself and I couldn't get anybody to go to Llama Island with me and Ip Man's grave is in Hong Kong. It's in the very Northern Territory too, which is right on the Chinese border. We were down in Central, which is like downtown, downtown area. And I, we, we would have had to get a cab or a driver or whatever. I still kick myself in, my, in the ass because that would have been a wonderful thing to visit just to, you know, pay respect to an awesome man and because we know, like, how crazy his life was. I didn't get to go to the Avenue of the Stars, which has, like, the Bruce Lee statue and all the little stars, like, um, even Jackie Chan and... Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, Donnie Yen, who else? All the martial arts stars. They have, it's kind of like the Hollywood, no, didn't get to do that. Because these drunken sailors just want to go sing karaoke and drink and go to clubs. Which I'm fine with for one, maybe two nights. But. But that's what they like to do, so. I know, and I did not want to, and he told me, he's like, please don't go off by yourself. Nope. I've only done it one time. And it was in New Hampshire, the tiniest town in the world where they never, like, nothing happens. And it was broad daylight and everybody's out with their kids and shop. I just went shopping and went to a wine bar for a wine tasting. And but no, I usually do not venture out by myself just because it can be dangerous. Anyway, I'm doing my favorite thing, the tangent. So let's get back into music. I uh, got some new Voivod in here, Trick or Treat provided by Scarlet Records, but here's brand new Saxon with Supernova. <laughs>
Everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Jump into our rock block this week. We got brand new stuff from Dianthus, Jethro Toll, Venomous Rose, Simple Lies, Neko's Pick of the Week. Mm-hmm. Well, we got brand new stuff from Corn kicking it all off. <laughs> That's not that song. <laughs> this is called The Worst is on Its Way. Here we go.
yourselves a merry little Christmas Open parcels, gifts of different kinds A bigger bang, a car for a bigger bus DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaborations with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw and real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y Sci-Fi Century Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla related information Peace
have the Star Wars Lego set Death Star. But can he chug a sparkling water and not burp? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> Never gets old, man. Never gets old. What do I do? We're gonna have to show that to my parents because I don't think I've showed it to them yet. Oh my god! I don't know why. Why do we? This man's misery is so funny, but it is. Well, it's self-inflicted though. He's the one that you know he was dumb enough to do that, and I don't think he was hurt or anything. But yeah, it probably hurt. Hit that fucking head on the, the garage, but I mean it was a pretty uh, weak garage. Oh my god. Anywho, uh, Nicholas here with her pick of the week, and you're going to explain to us why you picked it and what it's all about. So, you and I have been kind of, um, you, we, I, the 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 Blah, 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 blah. I don't say blah, blah, blah. So, we've been kind of expanding our horizons a little bit with the rock block, block because... I just put my retainers in. Sorry, guys. Um, got a lisp. Got a little lisp going on. Um, so, I'm really trying to be thoughtful to rock as a genre because, you know, we do the. We are always thoughtful with metal as a genre. There's so many different metal, you know, categories and subcategories. So, when I start thinking about rock, um, one thing that really, you know, kind of caught my ear is the local, it's a classic rock station, but they play classic rock, like, from the 60s up until, like, the 90s. And they're not saying, oh, I'm only playing, like, the classic rock sound. They're playing, you know, synth rock. They're playing, you know alternative rock so what kind of got me thinking is because of how big in the 80s the like synthesized sound was I really like that song take on me by aha but it's a very pop song it's not it doesn't have rock elements and it was a smash like it was um, everywhere in the US etc but in 2017 they went on MTV Unplugged and it was called and then they released an album called MTV Unplugged Summer Solstice so the version of this is it's got an acoustic guitar so it really has that singer-songwriter feel and the lead singer's voice is just really, really um, highlighted. And it's beautiful and a little bit haunting. So they took it, they stripped it out of its 80s sound and they turned it more into like an indie acoustic version that is in its own right an amazing song, I think. There have been a lot of covers of this from what I'm seeing too. Uh, like, there have been plenty of covers, but it's, you know, it has peaked like at number one in 
so many countries. Um, in the U.S., Hot 100, it was number one. I mean, like, Europe, Hot 100, number one. Netherlands, number one. It's a pretty, you know, and the video itself is its own little story. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, I'm saying to myself, this is a pretty important, you know, song. It did really well, but it doesn't really fit into a rock genre until I heard the acoustic version. And, you know, that's happened to us a couple of times with these acoustic versions where you're like, this is, this is a completely different song. But it also, again, like I was saying, it, it turns it more into that singer-songwriter feel. Something that you think of like a folky kind of sound. Maybe uh, Bob Dylan, but with like way better singing. <laughs> Not to, you know, rag on Bob Dylan, but this guy's got some pipes. So... Without. Because he had balls. <laughs> With two balls. So, without further ado, I, I submit this to the Rock Block for your comment. It is not heavy, heavy, but I have to give AHA a lot of credit for taking some of their most popular synthesized songs and, and, reinvent, yeah, and reinventing them for something that's a little, you know fresh it's like a fresh take on it take on me ha <laughs> attention please be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before We will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven. DJ Neko's pick of the week. Coming for your love, okay, and take on me. Take me on. I'll be gone in a day.
words to say I'm odds and ends But that's me, I'm stumbling away Slowly learning that life is okay And say after me It's no better to be safe than sorry And take on me
Patrick from the Canadian Press Metal band Reanimator, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. I, I'm sure you, you've you've heard some of the rumors circulating around the hallways about how we're going to be doing a little house cleaning with some of the software people. Well, Bob, I have heard that, and you got to do what you got to do. We're going to be getting rid of these people here. Uh, first, Mr. Samir Naga. Not going to work here anymore, anyway. <laughs> and Mr. Mike Bolton. Everybody's going to miss him. You're going to lay off Samir and Michael. Oh, yeah, we're going to bring in some uh, entry-level graduates, farm some work out to Singapore. It's a usual deal. Work standard operating procedure. Do they know this yet? No, no, of course not. <laughs> we find it's always better to fire people on a Friday. And studies have statistically shown that there's less chance of an incident if you do it at the end of the week. Whoopi Goldberg opened The View today on a very serious note, continuing to apologize in the wake of her controversial comments about race and the Holocaust. Amber Cagliano reports. My words upset so many people, which was never my intention. Whoopi Goldberg apologizing on The View today for saying the Holocaust was not about race. I regret my comments, as I said, and I stand corrected. I also stand with the Jewish people, as they know and y'all know. Whoopi caused an uproar Monday discussing a Tennessee school district's controversial ban on Mao's, the Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novel about the Holocaust. The Holocaust isn't about race. Her co-host seemed taken no. aback. No, it's well, not about maybe race. Maybe it is. It's, no, it's about a different it's, race. But it's, it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. She also That's characterized the slaughter of six million Jews like this. This is white people doing it to white people. Yeah. The response was swift, a blizzard of social media posts telling her, yes, it was about race, and headlines like this. Whoopi was already scheduled to appear on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert to promote her role on the new season of Star Trek, so she seized the opportunity and explained what she meant. Would you care to uh, follow up? Clarify what you said this morning. Most of the Nazis were white people, and most of the people they were attacking were white people. So to me, I'm thinking, how can you, how can you say it's about race if you are fighting each other? Overnight, she tweeted her apologies. I said the Holocaust is not about race. I stand corrected. I'm sorry for the hurt I have caused. Yesterday uh, on our show, I misspoke. References to the Holocaust come at a sensitive time. Last Thursday was International Holocaust. Remembrance Day. Acts of anti-Semitism are making headlines. Saturday, a snowplow driver appears to deliberately slosh snow over two Orthodox Jewish men walking to synagogues in Lakewood, New Jersey. Then he laughs. The driver has been suspended by his company. Police are investigating. you've heard Whitney Whoopi Goldberg is in trouble I gotta find I closed what I wanted to talk about it's now fine. I'm pissed off it's fine you find that I got things to say uh, first and foremost uh, props to Whoopi she recently did come out and apologize and said she was wrong it takes a big person to do that um, but I'll add some more before Neko gets into her spiel and opinions about this uh, 
there's a part of me that feels like no sorrow that she got suspended. Uh, mainly because I'm aware of the view. I don't. I'm not a diehard watcher of it. In fact, I haven't watched many of it just because I can't really stand them. Uh, to me, it's a bunch of hens that get together and talk a lot of shit about and stuff. Start hen pecking. Yeah, uh, and you know, we've seen people uh, with, you know, in fact, Neko brought it up off air before, uh, maybe even before when we were on air, about Chad Dukes, and. Some people, when this kind of stuff happens, they're immediately terminated. They are cut from their jobs and let go. Whoopi only got suspended, and that's a problem with a lot of people, including myself. Now, there's it's two-way street, though. One is, do I think suspending her was right? No. Do I think firing Chad Dukes is right? No. Uh, but I'm consistent. I'm a person that's all about consistency when it comes to this kind of shit. Uh, so if we're in a a woke culture or we're in a cancel culture uh, society now, then it's important, in my opinion, to be consistent on how you dole out the punishments. And if we feel like Whoopi was out of line and not, you know, did all this damage that, you know, she admitted to and everyone else has been talking about, then technically she should have been fired from the show. Uh, Rose Zambar, people like that have been fired for much less. Uh, for simply liking the former president, which, you know, people might look at it and say, oh, you're defending Trump. No, it's not. I just, I, I, I'm seeing two different things here, hypocritical stances. Uh, Whoopi, you know, Neko and I, when we were talking about this initially about a week ago, no, it's probably not even a week, probably a few days, uh, she made some very good points about how Whoopi, when she was trying to explain herself, had some probably pretty valid points, but she went about it the wrong way in terms of how she laid it out. And I think Whoopi finally kind of got around to acknowledging that part of it. Uh, the one being that, yes, the Nazis were being inhuman to just about anybody, but a race was a big part of that. And obviously if you weren't blonde, blue-eyed, white. Aryan nation. Right. Like, if you didn't have a certain look, and uh, it was almost like survival of the fittest in some ways. Well, they, they were, um, oh, fuck, I forgot the name of what, what it's called. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I had everything prepared, and I clicked, and I closed. I've done that before. And it I'm sucks. so pissed, because I have it in my brain, and, but what they're basically doing is weeding out the weak. You know, that's the, in in the Germans' minds. Right. That's what they were doing. Pure bloodline. Pure bloodline. They didn't want you know, crippled people or sick people, or I mean, stuff that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, the small people. I I you know like dwarves, midge. I don't know what the correct term is now. So right. But short people, little people, they were all in Europe wiped out. Like a lot of that is not discussed. Because, you know, the big, you know, the number one thing that they were, the Nazis were going after were Jewish people. Mm -hmm. Jews were, have been ridiculed for centuries and you see still are just because they're Jews. Right. Now, the one thing that, and it was this article that I, I just recently read, a gentleman, his grandfather, Jewish, but not practicing, but just because... 
I guess back in the day you used to register your religion or they knew he was, but he wasn't religious. He didn't go to synagogue. He didn't do anything. He just was Jewish, like just through his ancestry. He figured out what was happening before it really got out of hand and he was able to get out on um, like educational grants to go work in the UK. Um, things that we don't talk about is, and I'm going to sound like a terrible person right now, but I, I feel like Whoopi is only allowing people of color to have Right, racism right the right to be race yeah be so you can only if, if you're a person of color you're the only person who can be the victim of racism whereas it literally was anybody who had jewish family jewish even if they weren't it wasn't a religious thing it was and when she says it's white people against white people you know we could get we could get real real specific and and start saying okay like well this you know, culture that has brown skin and this culture that has brown skin, they're fighting, so it's not racism. You know, it's... And I get what she's saying, too, because man's inhumanity to man is, is the bottom line about how evil people are. And that is a very valid point, but she shouldn't have used... She shouldn't have said, it's not about race. Right. Because in her eyes, it's... It, it makes it seem like, because she's like, it's y'all fighting with each other. So that's, to her, isn't racist. But you have two completely, you have a whole different set of culture in the Jewish world versus Christian Aryans. And I'm... Th yeah, the only, the only thing that she really misses is that you could easily have swapped out Jews with black people if there had been that many out there at the time. And then she would be acknowledging that it was racist. Like, that's the only difference. The fact that there were so many Jews in Germany at the time. Germany, was, Poland, um, all over Europe. Right. Yeah. So when it came to, like, African-Americans or black people in general, uh, during that time period, there weren't that many there. I mean, I'm sure there were some. But the only reason why Whoopi would even, like, make that comment is that she only saw that. She only saw it as white versus white rather than the possibility that had that happened, like, hell, let's just say Hitler makes his way to America. A lot of the blacks would have been killed, period. It, it, it wasn't going to stop at the Jews. It was very much about race. It was about... Oh, fuck, I a superiority it, complex. Oh, no. Uh, she's right about the humanity to man, but you can say that about people like in America who had black people as slaves. That's inhumane. So it, that that term that she's using can be applied to anything. But if I say that, like I am now, about slavery in America, that I'll get yelled at because they're going to tell me, that no, that was about race. But it was. But it was also about people being inhumane to other human beings. I, that's But that's the way it sounds when she's trying to disregard the Jewish people who were who were killed and put in concentration camps I mean, under Hitler. Hitler deemed Jewish people a different inferior mm -hmm. race. Yeah. That's what and that's what he was going after. 
it was, um, I'm going to go mental. I can't think of what it's called, but it's, it's. Well, unfortunately, the facts of history, this is going by the article I'm reading, are that the Nazis didn't do that. Their definition of race, a word contemporary scientists have never liked, insisted that Jews, for instance, were a race of parasitic vermin. Mm-hmm. And explanatory words of the Holocaust Museum, and that Germans were a master race who needed to eradicate all the in many inferior ones, which would have included black people. It was about race. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I, I but my, my issues with the view with Joy Bear and fucking Whoopi and a lot of them on there is that they're so fucking far going left that them getting in trouble for putting their foot in their mouth doesn't bother me. Like, the only thing that bothers me is that there is still this uh, double standard where if, if that had been fucking a white person saying that slavery never existed, they'd be fired. Fired. But here it is, you have a black woman, regardless of her history of being an Oscar winner and, you know, a good Samaritan and everything else she's done in her life, she gets two weeks of suspension for making one of the most ignorant claims that anybody can make. Whether intentional or unintentional, the reality is you made it. So I'm in with Neko here. I'm like, she should not have been suspended. She not should have been punished for having an opinion. Her opinion sucked and was uninformed. And that's the, that's the one thing, like, because we're not agreeing with Whoopi, don't they? And the only we we just think that no matter what you say now, unless you're saying whatever like the vanilla non-threatening thing is that everybody agrees with, and that's why we're losing like a lot of. Um, critical discussion. Mm -hmm. This is a discussion point. All that they're doing right now by you know, suspending her for two weeks is just saying Whoopi is bad, she's being punished and she'll be back when she's done her punishment. Instead of opening this up maybe to a real discussion and saying, you know, yeah. Well, I can't remember. Is it Barbara Walters who started this back in the 90s? The I view. think so, yeah. Because I had read an article, and Walters came out and said, you know, the reason why this happened is because Whoopi has too much power as far as the, um, what would you call the person that's a mediator, I suppose, on The View? Mm -hmm. She's the one who controls the discussions and everybody. Uh, she says, Whoopi has too much power. No one can push back on her. And that's what happened here is that Whoopi's making these comments, and everyone else is kind of like, they're trying to say, like, well, I was about race, but Whoopi's like, got so much power in her position currently on the view that no one can shut her down like and you're right in order to have critical discussion you have to have a panel of people who are all in the same field same level field so like if you have walters there or someone else who had started this stuff they would have been like no no don't go to break we need to clear this up right now because there is some misinformation here and that's basically what that goes getting that and that's the thing about it's not just whoopee it's with Every person who's getting losing their jobs and their career is based upon a quick clip of something they're saying because nine times out of ten, like people will say stupid shit. I know we have uh, here and there, and you're only hearing pieces of what we got on this podcast from week to week. But if someone were to go, if someone were to go and take some of our, our past podcasts and start clipping out clips, they can easily try to like shit on us or say, "Hey, this is what Neko and Noob said about this." And it may not be in total context. So, you know, 
when it comes to all these other more mainstream people that we watch on TV or listen on podcasts, you know, your Whoopi Goldbergs or your Joe Rogans or whatever, we have to be careful that we're making sure we're taking the time to understand and listen to what they're really saying. Whoopi probably would have clarified her stance a little more, but they went quickly to break that day. Yeah, they were like, oh, we gotta go, we gotta go. And Which they knew that she was talking out her ass too, but in order to try to save their asses, which didn't help because they still got you know a bunch of people complaining about it. Uh, it's not something that doesn't have that delay where you can say, oh, la, 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 you know, try to cover it up. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, this is the thing about our society. This is why I'm saying that if we're going to go with the cancer culture, she should have been fired just based on that. Now, I don't want that. And I could really care less about the view in general, but, you know, that's their show. They're right to their opinions, and their opinions suck a lot of time, in my, my own opinion. But the reality is I wouldn't want to change or force Whoopi Goldberg to say things she doesn't believe in. I, I'm more of the person that if you really believe that, go ahead, say it. You know, I don't agree with it. History doesn't tell you that that's right, but just if you want to believe that, fine. All right, I found what I was looking for. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God! So, the title of this, and this is the guy who his father and grandfather were both um, Jewish during World War II. He said, Whoopi Goldberg said what too many think about Jews and the Holocaust. And what he's getting at is most people are not understanding especially today because it's so far removed this Jewish people were gathered like cattle call gathered forced to all be together exterminated etc when she was saying y'all versus y'all mm -hmm. she's saying it's white on white. But his father was not raised a Jew. But his grandfather was. And he was the son of a man who was born a Jew. Anti-Semitism is not about hating Jews because of their religious beliefs. It's about hating Jews because they are Jews. It didn't matter that his father had was not a practicing Jew. He was Jewish in the eyes of the Nazis. And I think this is a really important article because it kind of opened my eyes too. I would think, you know, how do they know all these people are Jewish? And I guess it was just different back then. Maybe you did register like on your license or birth certificate, it said you're Jewish or you're Catholic or whatever. It really doesn't do that now. So unless you are openly being Jewish, you would, you know what I mean? Like if somebody was going to do that now, unless you're openly registered at a temple, a synagogue, and you're doing all the Jewish holidays, etc., nobody would know. Like I could be, you know, Jewish lineage, but we don't practice any religion. There was no differentiation with the Nazis if you were related to a Jewish person, you were a Jew in their eyes. They were like, it's you're Jewish or you're other people, or you're like 
the non that's where the because there was like six million Jews and like one million non it, it wasn't even like ethnic cleansing it was like you were saying getting rid of like people who non perfect yeah not master perfect. race yeah mm-hmm. and the guy was saying he's going into it with he wants people to understand this for context like you know his dad and his granddad as soon as they saw what was happening they beat cheeks and got out of Germany as fast as they possibly could because they knew what was up. Yeah, you see the signs. You don't want to be there. And a lot of, and you know, when they were starting to tell people they have to have their, you know, their yellow stars and they have to have this and that, they were realizing, you know, they're they're identifying everybody. So we're it's it's hard because we are. In America, we're so far removed from it because World War II, the closest it happened to us was in Hawaii. And that's far away from like the mainland anyway. We saw what was happening and we under, you know, when we read about it and we learn about it. But in our eyes, it, it's kind of like hard to grasp because it wasn't, you know, tanks going down our streets. And, you know, they didn't. It, 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 so I think sometimes that happens like what Whoopi was saying. She's not she's not a historian. She's not fully grasping the whole idea of what the fuck happened. Like, everybody here... Well, and I think it's compounded right now mm-hmm. because the whole thing was sparked by a book that was supposedly going to be banned from schools. And actually, Whoopi was kind of like defending the fact the book should be in schools. But the reality is, outside of her... There are politicians who are constantly trying to take certain books and histories out of the schools. Like they 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 want to add other parts of the history that's you know just fine. Yeah, they're they're basically whitewashing history. Right. They're trying the to make statue it look like, removes everything. They want to erase everything. They, all all the bad stuff that ever happened never happened. We're the good guys, you know. But like, as you said, what's going to happen is eventually they're going to forget, and then they're going to be uninformed and not have any real knowledge of history in general of what happened when and it doesn't matter if it's just a holocaust it could be anything so what started out as a, a good moment for Whoopi in terms of like defending the right to have those kind of like, she's like the, the sad thing is is they're not they're not getting rid of the book because it had some nudity in it or some bad words they're getting rid of it because it talks about the holocaust and they that's what they literally said right. they they so instead of like, I mean, I would, I think it would be more, I'm not saying, I, I was reading like Stephen King books when I was 10. So I, I was always allowed to read whatever the hell I wanted because it was a big deal. We were big readers, always have been. But I think it would make more sense for a school to say, we're removing this because it has naked pictures mm-hmm. instead of saying, and the F word, mm-hmm. instead of saying, oh, this is about the Holocaust. It's, it's bad for kids to know about the Holocaust. Well, the other thing is like, you know, when it comes to teaching, like I'm not a teacher and Neko's not a teacher, but in my vision, like, I, you know, I, I was never a good student, but teachers that I've had were pretty good at their jobs. And like, if a teacher is going to go teach you something about that's very dark part of history or 
has things that are maybe uncomfortable. Like I think there's a way to convey those kind of things and have discussions about them. Like you said, even at a, a, a kids level, I'm not saying like five year olds, but just you know teenagers. Like to have those kind of discussions about history is important and the way you can convey. And I think there's good enough teachers out there that know how to do that subtly without like. I read, a kid through shock. I, I read the diary of Anne Frank in elementary school, you know, and yeah. that's a very, very, because it's she like. She read that and I read Benicula, so. I read Benicula too, <laughs> but it's, it's actually really sad because it, it's, it's a diary and you know, it's, it sounds like a preteen teenage girl writing, but then it just stops because, you know, they got caught. Right. And. Then there's like a little, you know, chapter about like what happened afterwards. And, you know, if we stop talking about the Holocaust, if we stop talking about slavery, not just here in the U.S., but slavery that's still going on and, and the trafficking, uh, human trafficking that's still going on, if we stop talking, and because we need to like censor everything who's to say like generations like down the road if they're not allowed to learn about these things you know if you don't learn from his history you're going to repeat it i mean everyone there is a lot of ignorance over the holocaust and i'll even say on my part too it's sometimes because I, um, like I said, I, I enjoy reading and I've read several books that take place. They weren't written during World War II, but they're like the scenery in the plot happens during World War II. And one of them was, um, actually took place in France. And there was a little girl and her little brother. And they were, and mom and dad, and they were all Jewish. And they were, you know, they were taken away. The book's called Sarah's Key, by the way. She had the key to this little room in the apartment. And the day that the Nazis came, she told her little brother to go hide in there. And she locked the door. And everybody else got taken away. And the little brother died in that room. Yeah. So that stuff like that makes me start thinking about like the history and you know how and then they go into like there have been lots of um I mean to be sort of fair with Whoopi, I, I do remember she was trying to say that the reason why she did not consider a race thing was because she was looking at it from perspective as a black woman dealing with the race in America. But that's that's sort of what some of us are getting to with these articles and our, our own discussion about the ignorance or naivety about we sometimes as Americans will seclude ourselves in this bubble as if it, nothing else outside of America exists and especially with our line of thinking I, I've seen it with, the, with our politicians and a lot with Hollywood people like they just live in these bubbles and they don't understand that there's much more going on outside the world than what you have. So, if someone like Whoopi, despite who's probably faced racism in her life at some point, no doubt about it, 
but it has nothing in comparison to what happened with the Holocaust. It has nothing in comparison to being a slave in cotton fields. It just isn't. She might have relatives that have dealt with that, but she herself has never faced that type extreme. And then, like, you're getting to exactly what I, what I'm I'm saying. Like, if we if we uh, if we like have this ignorance towards slavery and towards the Holocaust, and that's why I get, it's, it's why it gets so bothersome because we listen to what's going on in the media and our politicians, and it makes it sound like we're still living in those eras, and it's not even close. Like, there are still racial problems. I I do admit to all that. I mean, we live in Baltimore, we see... But we need to stop pretending that it's like, you know, if a black man is killed by cops, that that's all of a sudden some sort of rand, uh, like, you know, we have some Like sort a of... random act of racism or... Well, no, like... we need to quit, quit treating it as if that's like the norm. That isn't. That isn't the norm. There's many cops that don't have those type of interactions with black people at all. Some are even good. But we, we take the interactions. The cops are good, and so are the interactions. Right. So, like, but we want to take these small little pieces of it and then create this big monster out of it, and it's really not that. I mean, let's just look at the example from last night with, um, something was going on, um... Oh, across the street. Across the street. It was... They, were, they never found the source... They think it might be a problem with the house's sewer system because they saw, like, they thought it was smoke, but it was, like, gas coming out of the roof vents. And that's, like, I mean, if you don't know about plumbing, that's kind of, like, you have, like, a vent for plumbing, too. That So when they were seeing that and then the alarms went off, every single fucking fire truck, police officer, you name it, within a five mile radius was here. They don't know who lived there, if there was anybody there, nothing. The The fire alarm went off, a neighbor called, everybody was there to pitch in. They, they had the hoses ready, they had the hook and ladder out, we were very excited to see the hook and ladder, because I've never seen the hook and ladder truck in action. They were on the roof, they were... Because all they cared about was helping, you know, securing the home. Is it on fire? What is the problem? There, I mean, that's, we do here. We're very fortunate to have some really great first responders around here. And that's what, that's what we mean. Like, we see better interactions with people than we see bad interactions, I think. Like, with, with first responders, police officers. And I know that's not like that for everyone, especially depending on where you live or what what might be happening in your city. But, you know, I really... Back to Whoopi. I, um... For me, to kind of sum up the way I feel about it, it's pretty similar to you. Everybody gets punished now for saying something stupid or uneducated or if it's not the opinion of somebody else. And I don't think that's right. I'm not saying that you should just go out and be 
you know, I, I get on get on the microphone and be like, DJ Anubis is a piece of shit and he's horrible or whatever. But what I've, I've seen is everything has kind of gotten diluted. And instead of them dealing with it on The View, they just cut right off try to just like put a band-aid on it and then you know let Whoopi apologize and take her punishment for instead of stopping the cameras like stopping the commercial break and having like because we nobody knows how to discuss anything anymore without fighting or have like an intelligent conversation you know I I really do I agree with Whoopi no, she's uneducated. She only sees race as like One black, way. white, Latino when she didn't have the information and didn't, know, well, I mean, I, and this is just like what this article is saying. Not everybody just assumes Jews are white people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was another white person who's literally saying Jews are an inferior race. Which, really, if that's how Whoopi actually looked at it, then she's actually being racist. And people will again argue that, and I'll, I'll just keep going back, I'll push back on it, because, yeah, racism is about oppressing, you know, the minorities, but it's also about skin color and prejudice. So, like, if you're a person of color and you're being hateful and races against other you know whites or whatever that even if it's just a point of view like it's still legit racism like she was looking at it from a racial lens uh that's why she said oh it's just white on white but that wasn't the fact of the case i do have to say though she it was really doing great until she said it's not about race like if she wouldn't have said that line and just stuck with it's man's inhumanity well, against man well, I think Everything would have been fine. Yeah, I think if she would have just been like, it's humanity against man's humanity against man, but it, race was a part of it. If she just said that, it would have been done. Or even, uh, I'm just saying, like, if she just didn't even mention, it, mention yeah. it. Because she was making good points where she's saying, like, it's important for people to learn about history. It's important that these books are not just thrown away. And it's important, you know she can't believe something's being banned because of the Holocaust, and then she throws out such a uneducated comment of it's not about race. So... And granted, like I said, I gave her credit for apologizing, but she was probably forced from the network to do that. I'm sure she was. And also, like, again, is that what we're supposed to do? Like, I... I'm sure, you know, if she wants to keep her job, she has to apologize, etc., but you're just not allowed to make mistakes or say something wrong or say something that's not the public view. Yeah, she made a stupid, stupid flub, basically. Stupid. She was really on a roll and then she just fucked up. Yep, tripped over her tongue. So that's kind of like, this is a hard thing for me because, yes, she doesn't, she, she said the wrong thing. But are we going too crazy with these, uh, with these apologies and punishments and everything now? Like, I get it. When you sign up for a job, you probably have some kind of, like, moral clause or they tell you, like, this is part of your contract and you have to abide by it. But what, I mean, 
where's where, where's the line drawn? Like, are you not allowed to have, I'm not saying that this specifically, but are you not allowed to have an opposing view without someone calling you a racist or X, Y, Z? Yeah, basically she faced the kind of music that a lot of other white people face whenever this crazy shit happens. So that's why the part of me doesn't really feel that bad for her. Uh, but, you know... I don't care again. I don't watch the view to really worry about it, but it was an interesting story to, to dive into. But let's get back into the music. Uh, kicking off our next block is Midnight Bullet with Rain on Me.
está muy harto.
Victorify from Victoria, BC. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Stay thrashing. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? They suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. I wanted in you, coming to Paris for the first time and instead of enjoying yourself, you're doing all this useless running around. I don't like to get bored. Me either. And right now I'm finding you very boring. Wait! You are making a big mistake. Oh, really? In the second. It takes for you to kill her. I will have all the time I need to kill you. I got you. Yes, you did. But I also got you. Isabel? I'm a friend of your mom. Can you be outside? Okay. Goodbye, mister. What did you do to me? I put a needle. In a certain point, very forbidden. It's called the kiss of the dragon. Kiss my ass! The blood from your whole body goes to your head. It stops there, never comes down. But soon, it will come out from your nose, your ears, even from your eyes. And then, you will die painfully. You're really a smart guy, Johnny Boy. My name is not Johnny. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Scene from Kiss of the Dragon, starring Jet Li. 
And they go to their sensei's funeral. Yeah, we're not talking about that right now, okay? She's trying to drive me into another fucking movie altogether. Um, so, Kiss the Dragon. Obviously, we had it in our rankings of our tier rankings. Uh, that was in my best. Uh, unfortunately, like, well, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't really well received at the time of its release. Uh, I think a lot of people had a problem with the pacing in terms of story. Uh, a lot of action, which people liked, obviously. In fact, I was watching an interview with Jet Li about it uh, not too long ago on YouTube, and he said that doing the movie, he actually went to his fans on whatever social media or whatever his fan base and asked him what they would like to see in the movie so his fan base gave him input on what they would like to see so he was drawn from a lot of his stuff from his past movies to put in this film and that's some of the stuff that he used was what they liked to see which one of the things was and we've talked about it with samurai and other people before when we watch fighting scenes sometimes there's fighting where it's it's cutting too much and sometimes it's because your stars aren't really that gifted uh, martial arts-wise, so they have to kind of cut the scenes a little more. Or, like, to make, get different angles. Right, yeah. to make it work. Whereas with Jet and this film and, you know, other films that we've seen like it, the scenes are longer and you can actually watch the entire fight scene. I think one of the big complaints about the new Matrix movie is exactly that, where the fight scenes were cut too much and there wasn't enough long... Uh, shots to see the entire uh, fight scene. Now, if you want some long-ass fight scenes, watch Brotherhood of the Wolf. <laughs> and that's not even the the uh, director's cut. There's a pieces of fight scenes in that movie that weren't even added. Oh, and then we watched the director's cut. That's right. Oh, my God. No, it's not in the actual movie. You have to actually go look at the scenes themselves, uh, which, you know, is great, but it I can see why they took it out because it was just too much. I um, I appreciate great fighting choreography, which was in this. And well, I mean, Jet Li is amazing. Anyway, so yeah. Well, before I get into more of that, the, the the plot of this is basically Jet Li plays a Chinese cop who's visiting Paris, uh, as a as to assist uh the the French police um with the uh, what is it? They're, they're trying to stop this guy from being big drug dealers in town. He's also Chinese, so that's why there's this collaboration between both uh, parties. Uh, and the main suspect is in his hotel room with a couple of hookers, to which hookers and blow shit starts to go bad because Jet Li's character realizes that the hooker's going to try to kill this dude. Uh, which wasn't in the plan for him. They were going to arrest this dude. So the uh, French uh, inspector, uh, Richard, he's the one that's in charge of the, the French police there. So they're in, like, the sting operation. So Jet starts running to the hotel room to try to prevent their lead suspect uh, from getting killed. Uh, he gets there, but a little bit too late. The guy ends up dying because uh, one of the hookers stabbed him. Uh, but then all of a sudden we have a problem where the inspector walks in from the French police and actually shoots the suspect uh, who's already dying on the ground shoots him again with Jet Li's gun which they took when they were searching him which you know it was kind of a weird situation where a cop comes in and he's being searched by the police force that's working with him so he couldn't have a weapon on him but uh, 
they did miss, and you know, we'll get to this a little later. He has this little wristband that has a bunch of uh, acupuncture needles on him. So we'll get to that a little bit later, but they allow him to keep that. Uh, so Jet Li, his character realizes very quickly that he's being set up for the murder of this, this suspect that they're trying to take down. And so now he's got to escape the hotel because the inspector and the rest of his goons are trying to like, kill him. Like, literally, they're firing weapons and machine guns and all sorts of stuff in this hotel to try to catch him. And there's, you know, there's a lot of different fight scenes and, you know, Jet Li's doing some pretty sweet stunts in this, which is great. Uh, again, like, from as much hate as this film got, like, uh, review-wise or whatever, I mean... Uh, Roger Ebert actually gave the movie a three star, so he's one of the more high points in terms of reviews. But as far as like Rotten Tomatoes and everything, they really didn't care for the film. But the fight sequences and choreography are great in this. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, there's a little scene later on between um, a pair of twins, although one's like a gigantor, the other one's a short dude, and they work in tandem as when they fight. Uh, so, like, Jet's fighting these guys, and, like, he's finding different ways to, like, minimize their damage on him. So, like, it's it's kind of interesting how he's outthinking the two dudes who are, you know, trying to take him down. But, anywho, Jet Li's fighting his way out of the hotel, does get out uh, very much almost like a way like the Saint. There's a moment where Val Kimmer's character is underneath the car, and he's, he's hiding. And Jet Li has a similar kind of scene there with that, but he doesn't get caught doing that at the time. So then it's a matter of proving his innocence. So he did manage to get back before he got out of the hotel. He got to the room where they were doing their uh, surveying, and he got the tape of the actual footage inside the hotel and what actually happened. So he's got the inspector on film shooting this dude. So now the inspector's pissed. Like, he really wants this guy dead. He calls him Johnny Boy. He doesn't call him by his actual name. He's just a sarcastic, brutal dude. Uh, we kind of learned early on he's an asshole. Uh, so, Jet Li spends a good portion of the movie uh, trying to clear his name through his liaisons. Uh, li is that Liaison, yeah. From the uh, China government. Because, you know, they know he's a great cop. So you have the inspector telling these liaisons that, you know, he's dirty and he's part of this corrupt. Uh, he killed the guy and all this. So they're trying to set him up. But the uh, the guys that are, you know, helping out Jet Li's character don't believe it because they know he's a good man of stature and credibility. So there's, like, this tension a little bit there. But they have to kind of take the inspector by his words because they don't have Jet Li on hand. Jet Li's kind of, like, in hiding right now. Uh, so more shit happens and it's harder and harder for Jet Li to clear his name. Now currently while he's in the city he's staying with this guy who I'm not really sure who he is. He runs like this uh, sort of shrimp chip uh, cafe or restaurant. Um, I love shrimp chips by the way. In like this sort of like seedy area off the harbor I think. And ironically uh, the inspector has goons who run that area with like hookers and stuff so hookers and blow yeah, right. so we're introduced to uh the second co-star here which is bridget fonda who i love adorably from lake placid and some of her classic movies like singles and stuff like that uh 
I really was impressed with, like, before I get too far into her thing, her character and everything, like, I was really impressed with her acting in this. Uh, there are times that she's kind of come, you know, kind of good or bad with me with acting. Uh, I do, she did have a good role in uh, Jackie Brown, mm-hmm. uh, even though it was smaller. But, uh, and this, you know, she re- she made it very believable, and I like I was really kind of curious just watching some the movie itself. Like, they got her hair kind of all stringy. Like, I wonder how they kind of did it because she really did look like she was a, a, a like drugged a, out, yeah, hooker. drugged out hooker, right? Like, they, really run down, which is what you want to see because sometimes they, they over glamorize these chicks. They use um, like gel when your hair is wet, and they put it on your hair. And then if you do that, your hair dries, and it looks like that. it's kind of greasy. Yeah. And then, but what you can do, a lot of people with, because I have curly hair, but you'll never know it because I never wear it curly. Um, it's, a, it's kind of a hack for curly hair girls because you, you take the gel and you put like a blob in your hair, let it dry and then you have like this sheen on your hair but then what you you do is you just like kind of run your fingers through and the sheen goes away but for her she needed that as her little uh yeah because like it's like a nice detail very and uh because it's very believable and she her name is jessica in this and she's currently hookering because the inspector who is kind of like unknown to hookering yeah so So the, <laughs> hookering, baby. Oh my god. So anyway, oh god, I don't know if I'll be able to get through. <laughs> you go upstairs or something. Get out of here. Uh, so anyway, uh, the inspector, you know, runs the hookers. And he has her daughter. She has a daughter. And in order to keep her on the streets and doing what she's doing, he keeps her drugged up and, you know, with the rest of the girls. That's what they normally do when they're hookering. Right. Keep them drugged up. And, of course, he's got his own little goons that run the street and keep them in line and whatnot. But somehow, uh, Jet Li's character uh, sort of befriends her in a weird way because... At first, he really doesn't want her hanging around the shop where the where he's staying because he's still in hideout from the cops and everything because they all believe that he's the one who killed this guy and whatnot. Now we've got him being blamed for another murder of one of his uh, contacts from China. So now he's in there, and of course she and the rest of the girls kind of hang out around that area. So she walks in needing to use the restroom. And <gasps> that was I love that part. So right, she's like, well. <laughs> I could just do it right here in the doorway. No, just, no, no. Yeah, you're ready to squat. And he's like, no, 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 okay, use the bathroom and get out. She passes out. And, you know, if, anyway, the relationship starts to get a little bit more interesting because after Jet Li gets to another fight uh, with the cops trying to escape them, uh, he she comes in, Jessica help, comes in and tries to help sew him up a little bit because she does have a little bit of skill with that. Uh but then she's caught by her pimp, uh, who's like a real dickhead, of course, who's now like smacking around a little bit and doing this and that. And Jet Li's like, look, kind of just leave, but don't do that again. Don't hit her. Like, this is kind of pissing him off now. Uh, 
So now the pimp's like, oh, he's turning his attention to Jet Li, and he's like, well, my t her time is my time, so it's almost like the Fast Times original high type thing, <laughs> so if you're gonna keep her away from doing her job, you need to pay me. So he does pay whatever money to the guy for the girl, but then he's like, now you owe me money for my time. So then he's, you know, it's really kind of like Jet Li pays it, and he's very just to get everybody out. But then the pimp goes and smacks her again, and that's when shit gets crazy because he starts kicking her ass. And uh, then another guy shows up in his SUV, and he's he's another one of the henchmen who pulls out a big ass machine gun and kills the owner of the the Kaz restaurant. Uh, Jet Li and Jessica get out because they kill that dude. Like really, no one really survives there that went in there trying to fight him. <laughs> that's how good of a fighter Jet Li is. Um, so, after that we learned that Jessica was actually one of the hookers in the building, but she had a wig on, and Jet Li figures this out, and he now knows he has a witness to the shit that happened, like, because she knows the inside scoop about what the intentions were going into that meeting with the, the drug guy. Mm -hmm. So, I kind of forget, but there's a point where... Jessica ends up... Well, they would try to go to rescue her daughter. That's the one thing she wanted to do before they tried to go take on the Inspector Richard and put him in jail for whatever. And the, the daughter's not there. Instead, the goons are there. They knew that she was coming with him. So, again, they're fighting. Uh, she gets shot in the process in the shoulder, so he has to take her to the hospital, and she's kind of in her bed uh, laying there, and she wakes up... Uh, and is very upset because they were not able to get her daughter, who she thinks will now be killed from the inspector, which is probably true. Uh, but Jet Li, you know, he, he does his little thing. He takes out a needle, pops it in her side of her neck, and she goes to sleep. Uh, and then he takes it upon himself to go to the police station where the inspector and all his goons are and go and get the girl and, you know, take care of business. And it's really kind of a cool moment. He calls for a little payphone at the bottom of the... The building says, I'm coming up. And <laughs> Inspector Ridge is like, he's coming. Get everybody. Everybody. <laughs> you know, he's like paranoid because he knows this guy can survive anything right now. So there's a lot of fighting. Uh, there's even like a Bruce Lee moment where Jet Li walks in on this karate class that's practicing in their uh, little gym there. So he's got the whole like kicking all their asses. Uh, Bruce Lee style and that the twin fight that I told you about. And eventually we get to the scene that you heard at the beginning of the segment uh, where Jet Li is confronting Richard and he's got the girl in his arms and he's got a gun to her head. So that's when Jet Li is like, look, for the time it takes you to kill her, I will have all the time I need to kill you. So quickly Richard tries to shoot him, does catch Jet Li in the shoulder, but Jet Li swings around actually pulls somehow he's he's got a hold of richard's arm with a gun but he pulls out a needle with his mouth and comes around the back of richard and pops it in the back of his neck and apparently that particular move and the place where he put the needle is called the kiss of the dragon it's a very forbidden uh, uh move to make because of what it can do to a human so the girl is safe and you know jelly has a necklace that jessica had for the little girl had a picture of the little girl in it and tells her to go outside and wait you know a nice little girl she does 
kind of funny. She says goodbye, Mister. Whether she knew or not what was going to eventually happen to him, who knows? But it's kind of a funny thing. Like, yeah, bitch, you're going to die. I'm going to leave. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So what this does is it allows Richard to speak, but he's like paralyzed. He can't move. He's standing there and he can't do anything except. The for idea of the kiss of the dragon is it's supposed to cause a brain aneurysm, so it paralyzes your body and then eventually you bleed out. Yeah. So. It's kind of where Jet Li starts explaining what he did, and you know, <laughs> Jet Li goes, "Yeah, it's called the Kiss of the Dragon." And Spectre's like, "Are you kissing my ass?" <laughs> He's like all pissed off. But right once he pulls the needle out, that's when all the blood rushes out of his ears and eyes and mouth, and he dies like painfully right there on the floor. Now, it's been debated, like, is that a real acupuncture spot? And from some people are saying, you know, this kind of, because Jet Li actually wanted to use acupuncture in the movie because he had done it in some Chinese films and he wanted to kind of bring that to a Western audience. Right. So, you know, like acupuncture and acupressure, there are like some spots where you can really like cause some pain, but they're um, basically what they're saying about kiss of the dragon um some people say it's a hundred percent possible other people say it's zero percent possible but the um using a needle was very big in japan like having either blow darts with needles or mm -hmm. and we've seen that before in some of the asian films especially with the women where they'll have it like hidden in their bun and be like Whoa, right so Jet Li got the idea that he wanted it to be, you know, he wanted to take some traditional and mix it in with, like, a Western-style Asian movie. But one thing that um, he was... Because he was very involved, clearly, in this movie and working on it. Like, that scene... A lot of the movies that were being popular at the time had a lot of wire work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the fight scenes, you're kind of like, it's not believable. And he wanted that final scene to be believable. They had one set in mind, and eventually it was supposed to take like three days to shoot the fight scene. They scrapped it to what they had. And the, um, there were actual like injuries like people because one of his complaints is like there's too much wire work there's not enough real fighting and in the movie itself there was no and, and too much cgi has been used in place of fighting which that was like i think what took me out of malignant more than anything yeah. was yeah. how bad the cgi was it's almost a good idea of a movie but yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're not going to get into that, but that's what his complaint was, too. Right. So during their fights, people actually got hurt. People actually were making contact. The CGI that he used were for some of the explosions, and that's it. Like, he was he was 100%. I want it to be, like, a, an Asian movie that feels like an action movie. And it succeeded. Um he, I think he was like producer on that, so 
Lisa from the Bridge of Fun that said, um, but yeah, uh, sorry, <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, you make a lot of good points there because that's again one of the things that I really like. Now, I like Romeo Almost Died, there's some good stuff in there, uh, but as far as the action itself, it's kind of like spread out more in Romeo Almost mm-hmm. Died, whereas this is like in your face and it's like 90 minutes which is beautiful right you have like a nice fast-paced movie um oh my god oh sorry the director is luke besson am Mm -hmm. i saying his name right and bridget fonda had worked with him in the past and saw some of jet lee's work so she accepted the role without even reading the script and she, it caused her a little bit of concern because she knew it was going to be an action movie. She wasn't told to get in shape or anything, and she didn't even know what she was going to do. And, and so you can imagine her surprise when she had to try on on uh, clothes for being a prostitute in Paris. Yeah, uh, again, like when I was watching the Jet Li interview, there was one with Bridget Fonda as well from the same person. And it's funny because the Asian girl interviewing her said, look, uh, she's like, yeah, did it bother you that you didn't have any action scenes in it? She's like, no. <laughs> you know, no, thank you. Because I think, because some people will look at what she did with Point and No Return when she was playing like a, a Femme Nikita, basically. Uh, they kind of thought maybe when she went in this movie that she was going to be almost like replacement killers like Mira Savina shooting and everything else. Uh, but this was, you know, Bridget knew that her role in this was a more of a emotional um like um submissive type because she's submitting to right everything that we saw with her character is exactly what they were expecting out of her and i think that she took that seriously and that's why i think really when her career is said and done this is one of her better roles because it's so believable Mm -hmm. like the tears are real the you know the when you watch her she looks like a strung out hooker like it, it really does play out like that and yeah, she's hookering. Hookering. Hookering, baby. That's my word now. Hookering. <laughs> so, another interesting point I was reading. Oh, yeah, that was a great scene. You missed that one. Oh, did I? He's leaving the hotel, and he thinks he's getting out. That dude that we saw at the beginning at the bar with him, mm-hmm. talking to him, he's one of the guys who's supposed to make sure he doesn't get out, so he's got the little earpiece. So... Lee is coming out, he's getting ready to walk out, and he's, they catch eye to eye, and this dude's got, like, two machine guns, and he's like, starts, like, f- shooting around the place, and Jet Li's trying to avoid it. He comes across this, uh, this is one of the best scenes ever, pool table, he kicks the Oh, the I ball did see out, this, and he, yeah. And he kicks it right at the guy's forehead and kills him, it's, like, amazing, I was like, that's great. Um, I thought, like... That red dot, because I didn't know what that was at first. Tomato. Uh, no, I thought it was um, like a laser for, from a gun. That's what I thought. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they, um, another interesting point that they really were, were trying to enforce is, you know, they they wanted him to to feel like a little scared and scattered because he was in a place that he didn't know where. Was he was. With, yeah. And that's why it, it, it was made it easy to believe that he was going to trust Bridget Fonda so easily because, you know, he didn't know anybody and he had one person that is not trying to kill him. And Right. Yeah, and the guy that ran the, the chip shop, you know, he's he, he he's done it before. He's brought these guys in from China and kept them there for whatever reason. 
Uh, but he doesn't go and show gently around. He doesn't really get involved mm -hmm. with that part of it. Uh, so yeah, Jet's character, after he loses one of the guys that he's in contact with, uh, after being killed on the boat, he has to kind of put his trust in Jessica to try to get him around and get this shit solved so he can get back home. And uh, But I always wondered, like, at the very end, like, you know, Jet's sitting there, and it's one of the great moments of the movie at the end. Uh, he gets back with Jessica, who's still in the hospital and sleeping. He pulls the needle on, and she kind of just wakes up out of it. She thinks only, like, a minute has passed away. I think even Jet says, yeah, you only been out a couple minutes, you know. And, uh, of course, she starts to remember what the conversation was about getting her daughter out, because so, she doesn't realize that he's already done all this shit. So she starts tearing up, and then he does this little thing where he's, like, kind of looking over at the bench next to the bed, you know, playing it all cool. And she looks over and sees her daughter sleeping there, and she's so excited and happy, you know. And she keeps crying, and <coughs> it's just a nice little tender moment between the characters. And often I wonder what happened to the characters after that, like, you know, because you could tell that, because there is a moment where Jessica is talking with Jelly's character in the uh, chip shop. She's like, well, would you like to have a former hooker drug addict, you know, or whatever, who can cook and sew and do all this other stuff. And, <laughs> you know, he's kind of a shy guy, It's you know, as far as himself is concerned, you know. So he's not really pushing her away, but he's not really, like, saying jumping all in either. He's just kind of, like, trying to get his name cleared and everything. But that ending scene kind of makes you wonder if they kind of just went together and got out of there and took her out of the streets and whatnot because she was kind of looking just to get out of it that's one of the things that his character kept asking her was like why do you do this you have a kid and she's saying it's complicated which it was mm -hmm. uh, because of the attachments to the inspector and everything so i just really like this film i did too i know Jet Li has a lot of good films in his his catalog and you know i always it's funny how long Jet's been in the game. Like, it's sort of like Jackie Chan and everyone else. Because, like, my first real experience with Jackie Chan was Rumble in the Bronx. Even though he's, I'd probably seen him in some films beforehand, mm -hmm. just not realizing it. But Rumble in the Bronx was, like, my first time in America basically saying, Oh, my God, this dude's amazing. Who is this dude? <laughs> and then Jet Li, I'm thinking Lethal Weapon 4 is his first fucking movie. Because he's younger, and it's the moment, the moment that I'll never forget is Mel Gibson pulls his gun on him, and Jet Li dis disassembles it, disassembles it right in front of him. Yeah. And then Gibson's like, "Did you just see that? You see what it did?" <laughs> and, and Jet Li was so fast with the martial arts in that movie. Like it wasn't like the Jet Li show, but he was really good in that film. And uh, he played a villain, of course, but he was a good one. Mm -hmm. But then when you go back and you look, and you're like, damn, this dude's been in the business for a while, and I'm just now seeing this guy. So, uh... And I think that's... When was Lethal Weapon 4? Late 90s, I think? I think that's part of the reason why Jet Li was... Because this came out in 2001? Uh, yeah. So, so I feel like because <clears throat> Jet Li was so involved in the production of this, he's saying to himself, like, I'm been acting for a long time I'm not just a bit player anymore and I've got a lot of experience I want people to really see something a little bit more multi-dimensional of me rather than just some kind of like stereotypical part yeah you know he 
makes a lot of the Asian martial artists make a lot of films in their respective countries, and for good reason because it, it, they eat it up over there. They really love it. But I think with Jet, it's kind of like the whole Bruce Lee thing. Like mm-hmm. He got a taste of American money and success with Lethal Weapon Four. That he's like, okay, because then we started seeing films that he uh, had done that were actually being released in the states, like Black Mask came over and mm-hmm. you know I saw that and then all of a sudden into two thousands like this movie, Romeo Must Die, uh, Unleashed, we we started seeing him being more mainstream here in America and he became a real star here in America. That's why now with the expendables he's a part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is so fun to see. Uh, I just wish they would kinda of do more with this character in those films. I know they're kinda of limited because you got fucking fifty million action stars you have to try to give screen time and these, to. Yeah, and then you get like I mean Chuck Norris only needed like five minutes, but he he was big enough to stand out in the second one. I'm like You know, the good guys always wear black when they just like slinks away. <laughs> these you know I got bit by a cobra once there was extreme pain for five days and then it died <laughs> then the cobra died yeah. I love that he is in one of his Chuck Norris own jokes own jokes yeah oh but this God. film is really worthy uh, for any martial arts and Jet Li fan mm. so wait a minute audience this is my last show until sometime in May we might have time to do one more maybe no, I don't think we will. Yeah, me. I, I gotta get that bathroom finished. Um, I'm leaving a week from no. I'm leaving in six days. Next Thursday. And we have to leave. Or Wednesday. But yeah. Thursday, the seventeenth. We have to leave at the butt crack of dawn, and then um, yeah, no, I don't know. No, it's. Well, I, I have to get to the music and everything else. We got to, I, we have shit to do tonight. We might have shit to do tomorrow. I'm gonna try and paint tomorrow. Maybe work. And if I have to like actually get down and help you out, I might have to do that. Oh, you're gonna help me out with my hookering. <laughs> <laughs> um, if this gets brought up tonight, I'm gonna divorce you. You know that, right? You're gonna take me for everything. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey! Hey! Oopsie daisy! <laughs> <laughs> but what I was wondering is, you know, there's no, there's not going to be any of Neko's pick of the week anymore. And there's, are you going to do the retro movie vault without me? Nope. So the, those things will be shut down like last time. You know, while you're out, I just do. I mean, I'll talk about topics and do my own movie reviews if I watch something that you know you wouldn't watch or whatever. But. Uh, you might need to like get a co-host every, you know. You might be able to save somebody who'll come on the podcast with you. Yeah, I might be able to get someone to join in just for fun. We'll see. You just kind of do what I, what you and I do, like. So I, I sometimes I'm on fire for topics. Like I'll shoot them over, like, and then we'll get to them like eventually. And sometimes, you know. It just depends. I'm, it's better when you're here, but you know I get through it. Uh, all right. Well, let's get rolling. Let's we got get shit to rolling. do tonight. That's right. We got. We're going to eat some crabs with my mommy. Old Bay Crab, baby. Ah, uh, here's some stuff from 2021 from a band called Stabbing. Mm-hmm. Excrement Sarcophagus.
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up.
Maggots. <laughs> maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots, how do they taste? <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> Pretty sad. Sorry about that. No hard feelings, huh? huh. Why don't you try some noodles? <laughs> they're worms. I mean, they're worms. Tony! They're only noodles, Michael. <laughs> worms. Say the line. Oh, Francis, baby, babe. Yeah. Just say the line. Yeah. That's why you're still sitting on the branch. Uh, I'm performing on the swamp. Get over yourself, oh, man. If Budweiser wanted someone to just say the line, uh -huh. as you naively put it, yes. they'd have hired a chimpanzee and saved themselves a little money. Yeah, the chimp is probably booked on a bigger uh, job. Right? Oh, ha ha! Yeah, you've lost touch with reality. You know that, Frankie. When I say why. <laughs> 
Nice. Do you know what that does? Do you yeah. have any idea what that does? Yeah, it makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, well, uh, get a grip. Okay. It sells beer. Oh, okay? really? It moves the Budweiser off the shelf. Mm. Zoom. Yeah. Zoom. Uh -huh. It's like Louis Mania. Oh, really? Louis El Nino. Oh, I'm sure. I, I just excuse can't Excuse me, but I have a little quiet here. But. Wise. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Frank and Louie. Back again. DJ Nubis. And DJ Nickel. Getting ready to close out this edition of The Hordes of Chaos, episode 155. So, I guess I'll be back for episode 168. Yeah. So, if you guys, you know, if you miss me. Oh, what? they will, because they're going to be like, all my numbers are going to drop, because Neko's not there. Um... Anubis definitely could use the uh, the support and because um, he's gonna be all by himself in the house. Yes, wise. <laughs> <laughs> I actually some this is gonna be a longer job and uh, usually he's like, oh yeah, everything's fine for like the first month and then he starts like always worrying about me like where are you where are you where then are you sets in i'm bored mm -hmm. and then when i get close to coming home because it always changes we are there it's never like you're in you're out these are the dates i was actually supposed to leave two weeks ago so it changes all the time and as i get closer to my end date I'll be like, okay, well, now I've changed my flight, and it's going to be this day. And so he's like, it's time to come home. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I'll keep the Ford up. Mm -hmm. Keep it forging on. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Yes, thank you so much. And we appreciate the support, as always. Uh, I didn't forget about you, Kevin. I know you got some requests that you want to get in. Unfortunately, she won't be here, so may I hold off on the dedication he gave her until when she gets back but uh the other requests i'll get in for sure uh just a lot of new stuff and a lot of like these labels are really starting to send me a lot of stuff now so i have to kind of weed through all that shit as well but uh the support is always great uh we're doing pretty well on our youtube channel that's also going to be put on hold i'll probably be making a video of myself after she's gone just to explain the situation because the interview stuff that we do with some of these YouTube channels, we really like doing, but I want to do it with her here. So, as far as that's concerned, um, we'll be putting those on hold, but there's a few people we still have to get to the interview yet. Um, but as far as, like, any kind of stuff that I might get in or just updates in general, like movie stuff. So, I'm going to try to keep the YouTube channel at least a little busy uh just to make sure no one's forgetting about it while we're out there but we have some great interviews up there we did aaron penn this week mm -hmm. derek last week of course samurai as well as tony of the dead uh and of course Edgar Allan poet that's all in there so check those out you know it's, we've been trying to mix it up and have a lot of fun with the different types of uh games that we play with these guys you know to try to pique their interest and of course uh let them have fun doing this stuff with us as well so and they've got great content on our YouTube channel, so go and check them out. Uh, they're all very worth it. Uh, we're going to leave you all with a classic track from a band called Judeca. This is the stench of an undouched cunt. What? 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 Piss that way over there.